I hate to go all technical on you, but all hands on deck, swirly thing alert! Attention! Listen, you motherfuckers. Buckle up, pedal heads. You're experiencing the Lotus Effect with Phoenix and Phone Boy. Nobody can fuck with us. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. You are my podcast. My only podcast. So if you fucking take my podcast away, I'm going to shove my foot so far up your ass. It is out of sheer morbid curiosity. I'm allowing this freak show to continue. How do you fix that, though? Take a big step back and literally suck my dick. Are you interested? I know you are, because it's fuck or walk. You're shitting me. Have you made your decision for Christ? To tell you the truth, I don't give a shit. I would not say such things if I were you. Who the fuck are you? Phoenix and Phone Boy? Oh, they're horrible. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. It's wholesome smut. The whole show. Well now, uh, welcome to episode 121 of The Lotus Effect, which we've uh, provisionally titled uh, Pro- Professional Pedal Heads. And, you know, I'm sure the show title will change. It usually does when we do these things. Uh, but uh, one, one thing that I can assure you has not changed is that I'm Phone Boy. Hello, lady. And of course, I'm still Phoenix. There will be blood tonight. Was I muted? Uh, no, you were not muted. I actually, I actually handled it for you because I could see your hands were busy. Now, um, guys, you better strap in. That's all I can say at this point because, uh, yeah, we need to discuss some changes that we're making with respect to the Lotus Effect and our association with the No Agenda podcast. Now, have you haven't already heard, it's quite possible this will be a surprise to you given my lengthy history with No Agenda and how Phoenix and I even met. Now, um, recent events have brought awareness to issues that have been going on with with no agenda, the podcast for far too long. Now, Adam Curry claims he will do whatever it takes to protect the no agenda brand. Now, Phoenix and I are simply doing the same with the Lotus effect, a brand we've spent the last two years building. And to that end, we took an immediate and swift stand. We decided to end our association with the no agenda podcast effective immediately. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. Now, many detractors of our position think we're simply overreacting because of Nasgate, i.e. the fact that NoAgendaSocial.com is being shut down and people are being forced to migrate elsewhere. Now, I've moved social media platforms before, many, for many years, and moving to another Mastodon instance, well, it's fairly straightforward. Now, I tried the method built into Mastodon, which didn't work because, well, everybody else was trying to do the same thing at the same time. Uh, It won't be the first time I've had to rebuild my social graph from scratch, and it won't be the last either. Now, whatever the case, if Nasgate was the only issue at hand, we would have simply dealt with it and moved on. Now, even though we came to this decision very quickly, I can assure you we didn't come to it lightly. Now, based on what we've observed in the community since Nasgate broke, it's clear that we're not the only ones to reevaluate their association with the No Agenda podcast. I've been listening since 2008. I've been here a while. I've been an active member in the community ever since. I've provided resources to the community in the form of clips from the show, specifically for phone ringtones. I used to take quotes from the show and send them out on social media posts. Now, more recently, I've provided instructions for using the troll room with a real IRC client. Now, I also helped to propagate the formula and interact with various producers of No Agenda on various social media platforms, including No Agenda Social, which Adam Curry himself started in 2017, and I joined shortly thereafter. Ooh, look who knows so much, eh? 
At the end of 2021, particularly due to all the drama going on in my own life, I had stopped listening to all podcasts on a regular basis, and this included No Agenda. I still interacted with people on No Agenda Social, which turned out to be a lifeline for me while I was going through the initial phases of my divorce. Come here quickly. For me, and now I suspect for a lot of others based on feedback we've received, No Agenda Social was, effectively, the only way they interacted with the No Agenda brand. The community on No Agenda Social was clearly spawned by a podcast of the same name. Now, what maybe wasn't so clear is that some in the community either didn't listen any anymore or listened less frequently than before. Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. As the chaos in my life started to calm down in 2022, I started listening to a few podcasts again, No Agenda being among them, and I started to notice some changes in Adam Curry. You may not have heard about them on No Agenda, but they are obvious if you listen to the show he does with his keeper. I didn't even think much of it at the time, but when you add it to the drama surrounding Nasgate, which includes the fact that Adam has stated he plans to run for political office, and he's been joking about an exit strategy for years, it's very clear where things are heading. As you wish. Yes, this puts the event of Nasgate in a very different light, especially when you consider the fact that both hosts regularly violate the most important, yet unusually unspoken rule of the whole value for model, value for battle, value model that they created: gratitude. Actually, it's funny they never talk about it in the in the, in the value for value uh, thing. No, but, they don't. And it's actually very important. More, more precisely, when someone returns value to you. Be grateful no matter what that value is. Now, true, not all value is created equal, but appreciate it and be grateful for it all the same. Inconceivable. Now, particularly when there are a low number of donations, I've heard many complaints from both hosts berating listeners to send money. In fact, there's a great clip of that I wish I had. Um, further, they've gone out of their way to berate listeners, such as Parisian Night Slut, who shared his own experience with being berated by Adam. Um, you know, and this and it's a, it's a lengthy story that we're not going to get into here, but I'll paste a link in the chat and in the show and it'll be in the show notes so you can read it for yourself and see what he what he uh, what he experienced. Um, now, I suspect that many listeners encountered similar incidents in the time they listened to, they listened and just went, oh, that's just an act, without seeing the larger picture. I can assure you that last Nasgate got some people to wake up and see that, that this is more than just an isolated incident. Please understand, I hold you in the highest respect. In our opening, we used to have a clip of JCD saying, I don't know, phone boy. Now, apparently, he also didn't know the guy who has been running No Agenda Social since 2019 or so, a producer who knows goes by the name of Ariner, uh, or the handle of Ariner. His name is Matt Hamilton. Now, I don't fault Ariner in any of this, as he was trying to make the best of a situation that was created by Adam himself, as it was Adam who originally set up No Agenda Social and still owns the domain name. Now, Adam has claimed several times he didn't ask for this, but if you read the, the actual messages he purportedly sent to Ariner, it definitely nudge him in that direction. So I'm going to read this post. And of course, there's a, I'll, I'll have a, a, an image of it and a link in the show notes that you can read for yourself. Um, it says, okay, th this, is, this is what Ariner has to say in his post. He says, lizard people don't come to me in my sleep and tell me what to do. And so he, then he, he puts quotes of things that Adam purportedly said. And he says, I'm often embarrassed to be associated with what is posted. I wouldn't care if it didn't bear the name of our show. It hurts the show. I suspect 90% of Naz doesn't listen. I no longer like this place. It sucks. Now, now we're back to what Ariner says. It is utterly demoralizing to read Adam's quotes above. I host Naz V for V as in value for value. If Naz isn't value, if it's the opposite and hurts the show, then what I'm doing is a waste of time. Now, 
Whatever Adam actually communicated to Ariner about this matter, it put him in a bad position. Given the technical realities of Mastodon, Ariner really only had three choices. Keep it as it is, and Adam would keep whining about No Agenda Social, shut it down entirely, or have everyone migrate to a new Mastodon instance that is unaffiliated with No Agenda in name, i.e. noauthority.social. At least Ariner cared enough about the community that coalesced around No Agenda to try and save it, even if it meant using a different name for it. I would not say such things if I were you. Given the discussions that happened on No Agenda, both the podcast and the community, along with Adam's political and religious aspirations, it makes a lot of sense why he wants to distance himself from it all. Well, we don't take it personally. It's possible a former No Agenda producer, or 33, might. Now, there are 1,626 episodes chock full of Adam Curry's crackpot theories that could easily be used in a campaign against him. And even if Adam were to shut down No Agenda, a copy of many No Agenda episodes are available on the Internet Archive and possibly other places. I'll explain. And I'll use small words so that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. Now, for the value-for-value value model to work long-term, value must flow both ways. We no longer feel that is happening with the No Agenda podcast. In fact, we now believe continuing to support the No Agenda podcast is detrimental to our brand. As a result, we will no longer be committing our time, talent, or treasure to support No Agenda podcast in any way. This includes providing live content to their stream, something Adam himself said he prefers. We've done so for the last two years. Get used to disappointment. Now, um... Further, we now know the kind of person we've blindly been supporting all of this time. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there, we're, we're dropping an Easter egg in the, in the, in the chat here. And we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, funny enough, that person is doing the kinds of things that uh, he warned himself, he warned us about and taught us how to spot. In the context of running for political office or even to gain standing in his local church, it makes complete sense that Adam Curry wants to whitewash his crackpot image, intentionally causing the destruction of something he clearly thinks damages his political ambitions or his personal image just doesn't seem all that far-fetched to me. And, uh, you know, and by attempting to whitewash his history and possibly his true beliefs, he's effectively lying to future constituents. Either that or he's been lying to us about his political views all this time. Either way, we no longer trust him. Lies do not become us. With Adam's attempts to distance himself from the community, John's inability to remember major contributors that don't involve money, and a few other issues that I'm not going to discuss, we made the decision to seed from No Agenda, the podcast. That means we will know, yeah, I think I've already said that we already no longer live stream our shows on No Agenda. We've, asked our, we've actually asked our content to be removed from the off-hour stream. Now it's led to a few other changes with the show, starting with our opening. He didn't come. Now, as for the immediate fallout of Nasgate, we decided to set up our own private Mastodon instance, LotusEffect.Social. This is currently a private instance for us, as well as close friends and family of the Lotus Effect. It gives us a lot more control over our presence online and our brand. Because of the distributed nature of Mastodon slash ActivityPub, we can still interact with people on NoAuthority.Social, or any other instance people move to in the wake of Nasgate. Now, having said that, we may consider opening LotusEffect.Social to other pedal heads in the future. Come on, the jack. Now, the only infrastructure we are still using that is associated with No Agenda is what we're using for the chat, Zero Node IRC. It is not No Agenda branded, and we're reasonably comfortable with the people in charge of it. However, should anything change, I will be happy to replace it. There doesn't need much time for dilly-dallying. 
Now, I want to be exceptionally clear on this point. We are not distancing ourselves from the No Agenda community, which is clearly separate from the No Agenda podcast, especially in light of recent events. We've met some great people in the No Agenda community, both online and in person at various meetups. No Agenda is ultimately responsible for how Phoenix and I even met. To recognize this, uh, we had asked Adam to uh, officiate our eventual wedding when we met him in Charleston at a meetup last year, and we and, and it, was, it was tended right before, I mean, literally like the day or two before we moved into our new home together. Yeah. We literally left from Charleston, South Carolina to come back to Tennessee and pick up the keys from the agency that was currently no longer, however, handling our rental. And I mean, it it was huge. I know you all have heard us talk about the fact that Phone Boy had a dream about um, giving Adam Curry a hug. And since the very early days, he has talked about John C. Dvorak way back before No Agenda, when he used to have tech shows and was the cranky tech geek and all of that. So this has not been an easy decision for Phone Boy or myself to distance ourselves not only from No Agenda, but also from the fact that we no longer take the position that we want Adam to officiate our eventual nuptials. Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. Marriage, that blessed arrangement, that dream within a dream. Now, like I, like I said, uh, people have claimed we built the Lotus Effect on the backs of No Agenda. I find that a hilariously bad take that ignores the fact that No Agenda itself is built on the backs of producers just like you, which is how listeners have been referred to since the very early days of the show. Try ruling the world sometime. Yeah. So when I used to be a proud, I used to be proud to be called a no agenda producer. I now find it offensive the kind of behavior we want to separate ourselves from. It sets an unrealistic expectation. God damn it. Yeah. It sets an unrealistic expectation that everyone in their audience is somehow obligated to contribute to the show in some way. The hosts of no agenda frequently berate their listeners to just send their cash to quote a clip of George W. Bush that has been played on their show numerous times. Listeners who don't have donate have been called douchebags, both by the hosts and fellow producers, which suggests they feel every one of their producers owes them something. Seems like it's money to me, but what do I know? The other two T's of time and talent don't matter so much, I guess. But before you go on about how they crowdsource their show art, listen closely to some of the shit that's been said about the art that isn't chosen. It's clear they're all about the Benjamins, or at least the boob donations. There's a shortage of perfect breasts in this world. It would be a pity to damage yours. Yeah. Based on the historical numbers that have been shared with me privately by parties familiar with the matter, at best, maybe 2% of listeners to No Agenda contribute financially. Less than that surely contribute in other ways. The art generator, chapters, and even the operation of No Agenda Social itself are among the visible examples of this, along with resources I myself have created and people still use. And I'm not getting rid of, by the way, because I don't want to punish the, the average No Agenda listener. On every live show, someone usually posts a link to the page where I describe how to configure an IRC client to access the No Agenda room. Just so you know, I tend to leave these resources where they're at for the time being, but now based on recent recent donation segments, 
I suspect the number of people donating has dropped to sub 1%, and that listenership is way down from what it once was. This, too, is contributing to Adam Curry's desire to execute this exit strategy that he's been joking about with John C. Dvorak for years. Now, whether Adam is serious or not with his purported political ambitions, it provides excellent cover for what we believe is about to happen. Our prediction is that no agenda will disappear for good during 2024. Now, we're not trying to speak it into the universe, mind you, but it's clear the direction this is heading, and it's not good. To the death. No. To the pain. I don't think I'm quite familiar with that phrase. I'll explain, and I'll use small words so that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. That may be the first time in my life a man has dared insult me. It won't be the last. To the pain means the first thing you lose will be your feet below the ankles. Then your hands at the wrists. Next, your nose. And then my tongue, I suppose. I killed you too quickly the last time. A mistake I don't mean to duplicate tonight. I wasn't finished. The next thing you lose will be your left eye, followed by your right. And then my ears, I understand. Let's get on with it. Wrong! Your ears you keep, and I'll tell you why. So that every shriek of every child at seeing your hideousness will be yours to cherish. Every babe that weeps at your approach, every woman who cries out, Dear God, what is that thing? will echo in your perfect ears. That is what the pain means. It means I leave you in anguish, wallowing in freakish misery forever. Now, the delicious irony in all of this, and almost too delicious to believe, of course, uh, is that Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak spent 16 years training people to spot people just like them. Once you see the truth, as we have, you can't unsee it. Based on the feedback we've gotten from our pedal heads and the comments from others formerly on No Agenda Social, we do not appear to be alone in our assessment of the situation. People have clearly woken up and are done being devalued by the crackpot and buzzkill. The only difference is we have our own platform and aren't afraid to use it to stand up for what we believe in. Never survive. Nonsense. You're only saying that because no one ever has. Now, what we're doing here is a little scary, I'll admit. We've, and both of us have had the jitters before we started doing this because we've spent a lot of time uh, thinking about how we were going to approach this topic. It's also quite liberating, though. We no longer have the network effect that being associated with the No Agenda podcast provided. Now, our success and failure relies entirely on us. We know we're going to have to up our game and work even harder to provide a quality show that y'all find valuable, entertaining, and worth sharing with your friends. Yes, I am a silly girl. Now, there are those who believe I took this position because of Phoenix, and, and you couldn't be more wrong. Now, we do joke about what we refer to as Sam's rule. Yeah, which, oh, I, no, I don't have that clip. That okay, okay, anyway. But anyway, she, so basically, she was the one who initially brought up this idea. I'm not going not gonna to lie about that. We have a healthy relationship and are able to discuss things that affect both for uh, both of us. For example, anything to do with the Lotus Effect, a brand that is both of ours. If Phoenix was truly driving for the driving force behind this decision to split from the No Agenda podcast, I wouldn't have spent the last several days writing this treatise. Phoenix did contribute to it, but these words are largely written by me. I mean, I have all the history and everything, uh, what's within, and I can see everything. And they, but I can assure you, these words speak for the both of us, as we've discussed this at length. 
Now, I have to admit, I was a little surprised when Phoenix first suggested we cede from no agenda. I kept an open mind and started to evaluate the situation more broadly, above and beyond the immediate issues with Nasgate. Now, having spent four decades building, participating in, and even running online communities, I've seen a few things, including watching communities self-destruct like no agenda appears to be doing. When the person who created the community tries to distance themselves from it and the cult, I mean, the community revolves around their leader, well, that's generally what happens. That may be the first time in my life a man has dared insult me. Now, when we initially made the decision to separate from the No Agenda podcast, the primary motivation was to protect our own brand. This wasn't intended as some sort of publicity stunt like people think it is. We just decided to stand up for what we believe in, much like Adam Curry's pastor suggested in a recent sermon that ultimately led to Nasgate. Now, for our detractors out there, I have a question for you. How is it a decision by us not to involve ourselves with a particular podcast affects you in any way, shape, or form? The fact it does speaks more about you than it does us. Meanwhile, we own what we're doing, the consequences thereof, and we make no apologies. It's time other people started doing the same. Bye-bye, boys! Have fun storming the castle! Yes, now, um, the hosts of No Agenda seem to have forgotten the value of their community. Or maybe they never really understood it to begin with. We do, and as we continue to build our own brand, we're being mindful of the community around it. Now, our goal is to build something that we can all be proud of and find value in. Not just Phoenix and I, but everyone in the community. Kind of like the No Agenda community was back in the day. You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Yes. Now, we appreciate all of our pedal heads, whatever your stance is on No Agenda, and are grateful you are listening and contributing to our show in whatever way you can. We hope that you will continue to do so and share the Lotus with your friends and family so that they, too, can experience the Lotus effect. Now, going forward, I don't intend to address anything No Agenda related on the show, including Nasgate. Not our circus, not our monkeys, as the saying goes, which I actually found out this week is a Polish proverb. And, and it suggests that not only is it not my, or rather our, problem. Uh, but when the shit finally hits the fan, um, you know, it's uh, there's a little bit of hint of we told you so on no agenda. So, having said all that, we're ready to move on and take the Lotus Effect and ourselves to new heights. We hope you'll enjoy the ride with us. Well spoken, sir. So, is there anything you want to say before we jump into the show? Well, no, I, I think you basically covered the whole stance that the Lotus Effect as a whole, our brand and individually as Phoenix and Phone Boy feel about the situation. We are not mad at anyone. Um, the word that I think could best dis, uh, describe the whole situation is disappointment because the saying that never meet your idols, never meet your heroes. Yeah, it's really true. Because now that we have fully seen um, who Adam is as a person, like we've been listening to to John Devalue producers for as long as we've been, li uh, myself personally, I've been listening to John Devalue the producers for a good long time. And I think much like a lot of other people in the No Agenda community, I just glazed over Adam's barbs and paper cuts. And when Nasgate happened, because ultimately, for whatever reason, now I admit, okay, I sporadically listen to No Agenda because of my schedule and because I do two solid time slot shows between the one I do with Phone Boy and the one I do with Hempress Emily at 7am on Monday mornings, Coffee and Chronic. So I'm not on 
no agenda social as much as I was, but for whatever reason, the universe guided my fingers to open up the application for no agenda social on Saturday morning last and saw the little red dot where the bullhorn icon was and read the exchange, which in my opinion started the whole Nasgate drama. And then there was a post that had said, oh, no, we got it all worked out. There's not going to be any name change. You know, business is normal. And then to wake up Sunday morning to see that not only was it not business as normal, but it was a complete and utter nuke it from orbit that Ariner, and no disrespect, I defended Ariner, even though people attacked me thinking I wasn't defending him, because I simply said, you know, where was all the support for Ariner before Nasgate? Now everybody's trying to give him an old tug and chug like he's the greatest fucking thing. What he is, to his own detriment, is going to be the scapegoat when no agenda burns. That being said, no disrespect to Ariner, I understand that he did what he had to do and that he made the best decision in the situation he was in. But to wake up Sunday morning and see that, read Adam's comments and all the other things that transpired over about a 24 to 48 hour period, when I stepped back from the fact that I have not been as deeply steeped in the community as Phoneboy is, when I stepped back and took a long, hard look, I saw what was coming down the road. And I basically, like Phoneboy said, had the back, you know, behind the mic conversation that if we truly care about our podcast, our brand and our pedal heads, it may be the best move to distance ourselves. And I know what a scary proposition that is. I know what a risky proposition that is. And we're already seeing people in our chat who are you know, and have publicly already tried to throw shade on us for our decision. And I revert back to Phone Boy's words of, why are you so threatened by the move that we are making the things that we are doing? Because that's how it comes across. We have no ill will toward anyone. We have chosen our side and we have chosen the people who we would like to continue to associate with, which basically consists of most of the no agenda community that has migrated to whatever instance, whether it be no authority dot social or like Phoneboy and I setting up your own instance. We welcome everyone. We don't have a problem if you're still a no agenda producer, if you still listen, if you still contribute. We're not judging. And we're just asking that everyone give us the same respect and kind. Do not harshly judge us for our decision to put on our own, own to put on our own oxygen masks. That is all I have to say. Yeah, exactly. And that's all that's all we're doing here is that I mean, yes, I now I've I've seen enough uh, things in the world and I can and I can see that uh, because of because of who I am and and what's going on in the in the larger picture, I can see that I'm probably having a, a, a and maybe an oversized impact on this whole discussion. And I and I recognize that. And and trust me, I'm not trying to say a you know, I I you know, one of the things I've learned obviously is you can't if you use the media for your own personal gain, yet it'll come back on you tenfold and it won't be so great. So we're we're you know, we're kind of walking a fine line here. I can assure you our intent is merely to take a stand and do what we feel is right. Yes, the timing of it means that there, there's some, we know there's potentially some things that we might be able to take advantage of in terms of what's going on, but that's not our goal here, folks. We're simply trying to say, this is what we believe in. We've, we don't feel this this reflects our beliefs anymore. We are taking a stand, moving away from it, and moving on. That That's it. If you want to join us, that's great. If you don't, that's okay, too. Like, we're just, you know, we're just a couple of tards here living a kick-ass life trying to do what we do. So, uh, you know, we hope you join us we help you you know whatever whatever your stance on no agenda it's not it's nothing personal it's just we we we've, we we saw what we saw and said yeah okay we're gonna do our own thing so um so i think um i think now uh, do, you, do you have anything else to say on this honey or 
No, okay. I said what I said. Okay, and and so have I. So I think I'm gonna. I think we're gonna now uh, go into the show. I will. I will hit the clip here because I've got it ready to go. What is this? A freak out? This is kind of strange. This is terrific. I think I'm gonna be sick. <laughs> Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes! The danger must be growing for the rowers keep on rowing and they're certainly not showing any signs that they are slowing! We're there. I just had an orgasm. Yes. Uh, now, the Lotus apparently affects uh, Sir Bemrose with an orgasm, but n- and affects everyone differently. So, however, and wherever you uh, are, uh, you know, are, are, are experiencing the Lotus, we yeah, we certainly want to hear about it. I got mail! Yay! So now, because we have, because remember, we used to kind of joke about the about the uh, the social media handles. Now we have nice, easy, simple uh, social media handles. Uh, you can follow my my podcast partner in crime at Phoenix P H E O N I X at Lotus Effect Social. That's it. Uh, you got Phone Boy at Lotus Effect Social. You can also send us email Phone Boy at Lotus Effect Show Phoenix at Lotus Effect Show. Uh, you can send us snail mail, snail mail if you have our address, and if you don't have our address, that's okay. Uh, but uh, you can, if you want to get it, you can get it. Now, you can also send a, you can either call or text us at 253-237-3321. One ringy dingy. Two ringy dingy. Dell computers, this is Chip. Now, uh, Ernestine isn't standing by, but Google Voices, and, and I'm sure it will uh, provide a, a, a suitably uh, mangled transcript that might turn into a show title. Now, um, we, like I say, the, it, sometimes the value that's contributed by, by producers isn't intentional, which is which is all cool, too. We just sometimes we kind of lean into the funny stuff. Now, um, this week, this, we, we had set this topic before, well, Nasgate blew off, so if you want to say something about Nasgate, of course you can, um, uh, but the topic this week is to uh, is we want to know how an animal pissed you off, right? Because trust me, I've got animals around here that are pissing me off. So um, and there's and there's probably plenty of other ways that, uh, that and, and people have many ways that animals have uh, touched them on the doll in a bad way. Uh, so we kind of want to hear those stories in our what we call our DQ or our, our Duncan Hines or the, the the DQ the Duncan question as I like to refer to it. Although DQ means other things as well. Um, so but you can sound off on that topic. You can pass topic. We can and we. We play the voicemails during the Duncan Hines segment of our show. Now, it's time to talk about those who contributed back to value, uh, value back to us in the value for value segment. We'll do anything to be rich. So there we, we used to call it the value for value segment, and we still believe in the concept. But we think as part of doing our own thing, it needs a rebrand. So we're calling it the ROI segment or return on investment. In this case, the investment comes from us producing this show that we believe to be an informative and entertaining product. Now, if you listen and you find value in what we do, send it back to us and it'll be featured in this segment. And some of the ways that you can do that are to go to lotuseffect.show and click on the green We Like Money button. Send us some of your cash. But that is not, cash is not our master. Cash is not our king. So we also love it when you send us feedback by using 
foamboy at lotuseffect.show, phoenix at lotuseffect.show. Now, there is also the part where you can send boostograms because we love splashing the walls with Satoshis. And if you don't have a podcast app that allows you to send boostograms and Satoshis, well, get yourself a new one. Go to newpodcastapps.com and you can get yourself a podcasting 2.0 compliant so you can join the boostogram party that we enjoy here at the Lotus Effect. And we want to recognize we did have our monthly donation from Sharky in the amount of $7.66. So thank you so much, Sharky, for your contribution. Yeah, I had to make sure we did that. And I was looking to make sure we didn't know. We haven't had any boostograms recently. So uh, yeah, that's okay. Because for us, we are still going to do the show and we are still going to value and love all of you pedal heads, whether you financially support us or just hang out in the chat give us a good troll, tell your friends, whatever it is that you return the value, thank you for what you're doing and thank you for supporting our show. Exactly. Now, I won't say that I um, understand everything, but it was certainly uh, different and, oh, uh, yes, well well worth a dollar. Yes, so, you know, now that we've explained everything, and unfortunately the, the, the opening went a little longer than we normally go because we had something to say about, you know, the, about an unrelated issue that needed to be said and up front. So we, we put it up front so the people that don't, maybe don't listen to our show uh, will at least understand what our what our uh, what our what our situation is and they can decide to listen or not but for the for the rest of you are going to sit here and listen uh, this is uh, this is uh, how this works so just sit right down relax open your ears real wide and say give it to me straight doctor i can take it now we we love we love your feedback just don't do the following we don't want your shit please, please don't send us your shit, shit. Yeah, and especially with our recent position that we've taken, again, we are more than willing to take your feedback, but be respectful because we are not trying to shit on anyone. We are not trying to be rude or inappropriate. We are just making our position firm and we said what we said. So be respectful, whether it's to tell us, hey, we really like you or, you know, we support you or, hey, we don't agree with your stand. Again, just be respectful in that. And we all know that the next mofos are not respectful. It's our health segment brought to you by Pfizer. And of course, you know, the first story that we're going to lead off with today is about a woman that will suffer diarrhea forever after Ozempic caused horrible, a horrible bowel injury and weight and the weight loss drug made another woman vomit until her teeth fell out. Now, this is according to dozens of lawsuits stating that the maker failed to warn others, well, I should say warn customers, of its dangers. Oh! 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 Oh. Now, Norvo Nordisk the maker of Ozempic and Wagovi is facing lawsuits from patients across America who say they experienced extreme side effects, which they were allegedly not warned about. <clears throat> Bullshit. Thousands of more patients have also come forward to claim they suffered adverse reactions to the drugs, and attorneys say more could join the growing legal campaign. Now, most of these patients claim they suffered from gastroparesis, which is the medical name for paralysis of the stomach. The condition, which can be life-threatening, causes a buildup of food in the gut, and symptoms include nausea, vomiting, and severe pain. 
Now, MailDaily.com or DailyMail.com reviewed more than a dozen lawsuits filed since November by patients who were diagnosed with gastroparesis after using Ozempic and Wagovi, including some who suffered life-threatening bowel injuries and faced lifelong consequences. In all of the lawsuits, Norvo noted, sorry, Novo Nordisk, that is a tongue twister, is accused of failing to properly warn about the risk of gastroparesis on the drug's packaging. At least 10 lawsuits have also been filed against Eli Lilly, the maker of Manjaro, a diabetes drug which works in a similar way to Ozempic and Wagovi and is also prescribed off-label for weight loss. Eli Lilly is accused of failing to include proper warnings about Manjaro's risks. In one case, one woman who used Ozempic and Manjaro claims she was diagnosed with gastroparesis, which caused her to vomit so much that some of her teeth fell out. In another case, a woman was diagnosed with a life-threatening bowel injury after using Ozempic and underwent surgery, which lasted nearly nine hours. Doctors said she would be in pain for the rest of her life and will never have a a solid bowel movement again. A third case brought by a woman who used Wagovi claimed she was diagnosed with severe gastroparesis and was hospitalized with symptoms, including going a week without a bowel movement. Now, more than 40 cases have been filed in federal courts across America, and attorneys are reviewing thousands more. The cases are expected to be grouped together later this month into a multi-jurisdiction litigation, or an MDL, which will centralize them before a single judge. I think that's a really good move, actually. Ozempic has FDA approval for the treatment of type 2 diabetes, but has been prescribed off-label for weight loss to millions of Americans. Manjaro has also been approved for diabetes, but also prescribed off-label for weight loss. So, Bree Hand, 23, from Ponco City, Oklahoma, told DailyMail.com that she started using Ozempic in May of 23, and within weeks began to suffer from nausea, vomiting, and constipation. Hand, who's a mother of two, was prescribed the drug to control her fluctuating weight and pre-diabetes, requiring five hospital visits before physicians diagnosed her with gastroparesis and diabetic ketoacidosis, which can be life-threatening. On her final hospital visit, she was admitted to the ICU. They said my body was so acidotic that I would have, if I would have waited one more day, that I wouldn't have made it through, said Hand, whose lawsuit was filed on December 28th. It was scary. It was painful. I've not ever experienced that kind of pain in my entire life, and I don't ever want to go through that again. Hand, who's a behavioral science student, said she wasn't made aware of the side effects she suffered and wants to warn others about the risks of Ozempic. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody personally. Just taking that risk would be too much for me from what I went through, she said. I think they should definitely advise more of the risks it does have. Mm, Well, that's not good for their bottom line, however. Now, Robin Kelly, who's 49, filed a suit against Novo Nordisk in her home state of Mississippi on the 28th of November, alleging she became violently ill with gastroparesis after using Ozempic. She said she wasn't made aware that the condition was a possible side effect. Uh, I hate to tell you, but that's what the pharmacist gives you, that War and Peace novel when you get your meds. Maybe you should try reading it next time. I'm just saying. 
So Kelly, who's an assistant teacher, or excuse me, a teacher's assistant, same thing, told DailyMail.com that within weeks of beginning the treatment in December 2021, she began suffering from vomiting and diarrhea. Now, here's the part that gets me, pedalheads. She continued using Ozempic for months, unaware it was the cause of her symptoms. Um, why wouldn't you think that it could possibly be that? Here's the thing. This is a statement from this woman. You can pretty much set your watch that if I took my injection on Sunday, then on Tuesday, I was going to be sick with vomiting and diarrhea. Again, why would you not so sub back that it was the drug. Like, hey, every Sunday I take this injection and then on Tuesday I'm having it come out both ends. Nah, couldn't possibly be the drug that's making me lose weight. That's what it's supposed to do. Said nobody ever. So Kelly was prescribed Ozempic to treat type 1 diabetes, which she's had since fourth grade and was treating it with an insulin pump. She said her endocrinologist encouraged her to take Ozempic through an off-label prescription, even though its FDA approval is only for the treatment of type 2 diabetes. Every doctor visit that I went to, she kept telling me, I really wish you would take this Ozempic, Kelly said. Hmm, sounds like a paid pharma shill to me. Now, she initially believed the adverse symptoms were acid reflux, but after an emergency room visit, a gastroenterologist diagnosed her with gastroparesis, and she stopped taking the Ozempic in September of 2022. Yeah, that's right. She waited almost a full year to stop taking it. What? That's insane. So the worst thing that it did for me was cause me to almost lose my job. I was so... I, I find this interesting when I'm reading this. The worst thing that it did was almost cause you to lose your job. Yeah, because, you know, your life has nothing to do with it. Anyway, I was so physically ill, I couldn't go to work. There were days that I'd go to work, I would try, and I couldn't stay at work. And it's because I'd soil my clothing. I would just soil my clothes and I'd be sick and I'd have to come home. And it got to the point where I had to pack a bag with a change of clothes so if I got sick at work, I could just change my clothes instead of having to come home. Now, Kelly Sue alleges she suffered severe and permanent personal injuries, pain, suffering, and emotional distress and incurred a lot of medical expenses. Novo Nordisk knew or should have known that Ozempic was reasonably dangerous and didn't adequately warn of the risk of gastroparesis, according to her suit. I still have flare-ups of gastroparesis, even after coming off the Ozempic. I just think it's going to be something I'm going to have to live with for the rest of my life. Now, of course, the drug companies claim that their shit is safe and effective. And the question we always ask is, safe for who? And effective at what? Yeah, definitely. And the, yeah, I would just say, just say no to those drugs. There's lots of other ways to lose weight that you know they, they involve some effort. You know, maybe 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 eating maybe eating the less sugar grains and seed oils. You might uh, you might do better. Your diabetes might be just dis disappear too. But you know, that's just that's just our experience. You know, it's not not just our opinion. It's our experience, in fact. So that's right. And quite honestly, um, if you're not willing to put in the work that it takes to be healthy, and you just decide, hey, I want to take the fast track and I'm going to take this, you know, medication and I'm not going to call it experimental, but it's definitely anything you're putting into your body medicationally ultimately could be considered poison to your body, especially a medication like this that literally makes your stomach just stop. It's just, it paralyzes your stomach. Why? It, I'm sorry. The weight loss isn't worth it. Much like it's not worth these energy drinks that kids are drinking that are being linked to ADHD, anxiety, and depression. 
Brando's got what plants crave. It's got electrolytes. Yeah. So energy drinks have exploded in popularity in recent years, particularly among teens. Now, over 30% of teens aged 12 to 17 consume these beverages on a regular basis. However, there are many potentially dangerous side effects of excessive energy drink use. In a new systematic review, researchers examined 57 studies about the effects of energy drinks on children and young people up to age 21. They looked at data from January 2016 to July 2022. By the way, it's called a meta-analysis in case you're curious as to what what the term is. Now, the results published on January 15th show that male teens consume more energy drinks than females. That doesn't surprise me at all. Researchers also discovered a link between energy drink consumption and harmful behaviors like smoking, alcohol, and drug use. There you are at Betty Ford Hospital going, I'm fine now. (laughs) I'm a reformed alcoholic. (laughs) I feel so much better about myself. I'm fine. No, you have that double vodka. I'll be over in the corner kicking the cat. Now, additional effects of energy drink consumption in both male and female teens included short sleep duration, poor sleep quality, low academic performance, greater risk of suicide, psychological distress, ADHD symptoms, depression, panic and anxiety disorders. Now, here are the few side effects of consumption. Uh, Dehydration, for example, not enough water in your body and you're always thirsty. Heart complications, such as irregular heartbeat and heart failure. Anxiety, feeling nervous and jittery. Insomnia, unable to sleep. Now, if your child is relying on caffeine to get them through the day, it can be helpful to encourage healthy sleep hygiene practices, such as limiting exposure to, uh, to phones, TVs, tablets, and laptops maybe an hour before bed. Drink the coffee, it'll make you feel better. Now, it also helps to maintain similar wake-up times and bedtimes. Aim to adjust for no more than two hours of extra sleep on weekends. Now, regardless, people of all ages need to stay hydrated with the right liquids, especially water. And actually, That's co- right. We're always touting how water, water, and more water. You can have coffee, you can have tea, but limit it. Because ultimately, the caffeine in the coffee is going to contribute to the dehydration. So when you think about the fact that these... Uh, energy drinks not only have a shit load of sugar in them, they also have caffeine and taurine, which is in the same family. Just just say no. Ex- it, it's not good for you. Yeah. You what's, know? what's also maybe not good for you is there are uh, five uh, there are five things in this article that are that are popular budget Ozempic alternatives for weight loss. And they're Eight they have helped me lose 46 pounds. Now, I have to mention something about this clip. So there was a diet drug called it was it was actually like a like a chocolate or something that you ate that would help. That would be an appetite suppressant would help you lose weight. It was called AIDS. A-Y-D-S. Yes. So now this this commercial that I pulled the clip from was in 1983, probably something like or 84, something like that. When did the AIDS epidemic come up? I'm actually from our pedal heads that are in the that are in the chat. I'm actually I'm sure they could look it up. I'm sure they could look it up and tell me. But shortly after that, we stopped seeing the AIDS brand uh, uh, advertised for for that because, well, the association with the thing that, that uh, Herr Fauci has been uh, propagating as a, as a fake disease for a long time. That, oh, you know, he had his fucking dick in the uh, gain-of-function research on it. Don't start with me about that. We know Fauci is dirty. Dirty, dirty, dirty. Yes, exactly. Now, drugs like Ozempic and Wegovy have become increasingly popular, and we get, we cover stories about it almost every week. Um, they can be expensive and may not be re- readily available, especially for teens. Yeah, I, I'm glad I don't have. To, I'm glad I'm not taking any drugs like this. Now, according to a new meta analysis, which again is a study of other studies. Um, 
nearly one in 10 adolescents worldwide have used non-prescription weight loss products. That doesn't surprise me. Now, in response, a growing number of young people are turning over to over-the-counter options, some of which are being referred to as budget Ozempic. Now, according to a January 2024 meta-analysis in JAMA Open or Network Open, nearly one in, te- uh, one in 10 teens worldwide have used non-prescription diet products at some point during their lives. Additionally, 2% of those studied reported having used a weight loss product within the last week. Give us a week, we'll take off the weight. Yeah, that's yet another uh, another example of an old uh, ad for, uh, from from the eighties. Uh, although another, of, uh, although there are numerous over-the-counter weight loss products on the market, the three that were covered by the study included diet pills, diuretics, and laxatives. Now, in addition to those three, psyllium husks and berberine, which are being touted online as non-prescription alternatives to GLP-1 weight loss drugs, were also included. So, here are the potential health risks each of these products can pose, and why they may not aid with sustainable weight loss. Now, we'll talk. About about diet pills. Diet pills often claim miraculous results because they can increase metabolism or reduce appetite. However, these pills are not safe to take as there is no scientific evidence to support their efficacy. Now, in addition, there are several risks, including increased uh, heart rate, high blood pressure, and negative impacts on mental health. Uh, anybody remember the Fen-Fen uh, craze from the 1980s? I certainly do. Yes, it's you know that, that yeah that that should tell you all you need to know about diet pills right there. Uh, now let's talk about diuretics for a second, which are drugs that make you urinate more, often to use to treat conditions such as high blood pressure and heart failure. However, people often use these to cause temporary weight loss through the water that's lost. Now, the downside, if improperly used, is they can lead to dehydration, which is an electrolyte imbalances and adversely affect kidney functions. So, yeah, maybe maybe you might need to do that for some other reason, but yeah, don't I wouldn't use it for weight loss. Now, laxatives, which can induce a bowel movement, are often used to treat constipation. Uh, you know what? You know what's really good for for uh, for moving things along? Coffee. We're, we, we we drink a lot. Very much so. Yeah. People will often use this as a quick fix for weight loss. The weight loss, however, simply comes from the solid and liquid waste products, so the loss is only temporary. Now, they're missing use can lead to dehydration, electrolyte imbalances, and gastrointestinal problems, which can include damage to the colon. Now, you've also seen uh, psyllium husks, you know, metamucil and that kind of thing. They've been claimed to be an ozempic alternative due to its ability to make you feel fuller longer. Now, while fiber is essential for digestive health, well, I, I'll disagree with that, but uh, okay, some, some fiber is probably not terrible for you. Uh, relying solely on psyllium husks for weight loss is ineffective. Now, the potential health risks include digestive discomfort, gas, and bloating. In addition, you can also reduce the absorption of certain medications. It can help uh, or it can reduce the absorption of certain medications. So, yeah, and it, they did. Uh, I didn't include it in the article, but some of the medications they were talking about it reducing the effectiveness of were things like low pressure, which is a blood pressure medication, and um, <clears throat> metformin, which is a diabetes medication. And these are these are some serious medications. This is not just like, oh, you know, taking this and your Tylenol won't work. No, it could literally cause, I'm not trying to be uh, melodramatic, but it could cause a serious medical condition if the absorption of these medications, and you actually need these medications, um, yeah, the, the lack of absorption could definitely be a problem. And I knew, phone boy, that you were going to fuss about the whole needing fiber for, you know, your health and everything. Yes, we don't consume 
grains. So we don't get any fiber. And I don't know about you, sir, but um, pretty sure that I regularly vie for cards are at least once a day. Yeah, uh, I'm almost for sure almost doing it twice a day. But uh, um, so now I think uh, now there now there now actually that's it's funny. The last thing. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Okay, okay, yeah. Oh, so the last thing is berberine. Yeah, I almost I almost skipped that. Now, berberine is derived from various plants that make that uh, and uh, that become popular due to the potential impact on metabolism, which, uh, um, you know, and, however, there's limited evidence that it aids with weight loss. Now, not only does it cause gastrointestinal issues and allergic reactions, it can interact with certain medications including metformin, losartan, and dextromethorphan. Yeah, that, that, sounds like the, that sounds like the fat man cocktail right there. It really does. Well, I can tell you, uh, I had actually misspoke about the psyllium husk. I don't think it was the psyllium husk. It was the berberine that um, caused the problems with the metformin, losartan, and dextromethorphan, which, for those of you who don't know, is the active ingredient in cough medicines that makes it where you stop coughing. So I think there's really only one thing that we can say to using all of these for weight loss, and that is no. Just say no, y'all. Yeah, just say no to all. And you know, and I, I would say no to these drugs anyway. Now you've got you've got the drug manufacturer warning against using GLP one drugs like Monjaro for cosmetic weight loss. And that's uh, pretty bad when the drug makers themselves are saying don't do it. Makes me wonder if this whole lawsuit over the gastroparesis has them uh, thinking twice about their position. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious, and don't call me Shirley. Um, now officials at Eli Lilly have posted an open letter regarding the use of its FDA-approved uh, uh, terzepatide medications, Monjaro and Zepbound, for cosmetic weight loss. Now, the company has stated that it was aware of the practice of these drugs being prescribed or used um, outside of the parameters of the Food and Drug Administration, as well as the use of terpazide by compounding pharmacies that mix customized medicines. It's what you call off-label usage, by the way. Um, Monjaro and Zepbound are indicated for the treatment of serious diseases. They are not approved for and should not be used for cosmetic weight loss, the statement reads. Now, products claiming to contain uh, terzepatide, Monjaro, or Zepbound that are made and or distributed by compounding pharmacies have not been reviewed by the FDA or global regulatory agencies for safety, quality, or efficacy. Now that, um, which is mean saying, uh, yeah, we, we have no control over it. We don't like that. Um, they're not FDA approved or, or, or approved by global regulatory agents like Manjaro and Zepbound and may expose patients to potentially serious health risks, the officials added. You, you might die. Now, are these drugs safe to take for weight loss? Well, we personally don't think so. And this is what was listed in the article. Now, Manjaro has an FDA warning about a potential increased risk for thyroid cancer. Meanwhile, other side effects include of, of, of a Manjaro, um, we got pancreatitis, uh, hypoglycemia, uh, which is basically your blood sugar's too low. Low blood sugar. Yeah. Uh, allergic reactions such as rash or swelling, kidney failure, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, vision changes, gallbladder pain, jaundice, or constipation. Now, meanwhile, uh, Zepbound also has a similar FDA warning about potential thyroid cancer risk. Okay, I need to cut in really quick. I just want to point something very, very, very important out. Jaundice is absolutely positively not something to fuck around with. That is when your liver just goes, fuck it, prick, I'm out of here, and shuts down on you. It is the yellowing of the skin and eyes, for those who don't know, and it is directly linked to a problem with your liver. It, it's not fun. And I can tell you, um, BOTG here, uh, one, I have a friend who just experienced jaundice because all of her, basically almost all of her organs went into stop mode. She had a major 
psych breakdown and her body just gave up. She was so exhausted, so stressed, et cetera, et cetera. All of her systems just shut down. And for three days, she was in the ICU hallucinating, did not know where she was or what was going on. And one of the things that she was experiencing was jaundice. So this this is not something that we need to be playing around with. As if the other side effects of Manjaro are not dangerous enough, that in and of itself is enough for me. If I even spent a nanosecond thinking about taking this medication, it would definitely put me off. And much like the warnings for Zepbound, I don't think I don't think this is as bad. Hair loss, okay. You go bald. Great. Heartburn, take an antacid. Depression can be a real problem. Hypoglycemia, absolutely. Low blood sugar is the, it, it, it could kill you, literally. Allergic reactions like rashes and swelling. Okay, we hear that with pretty much all medications. Here we go again, though, with the jaundice. One thing I would like to see, and this is just my personal opinion, why is this medication attacking the liver? You know, everybody, everybody takes a stand against Tylenol because, oh, it, you know, cr- causes liver damage. Well, apparently, so do these medications that people are taking to try to lose weight. And are they really all that different from Ozempic? Yeah, not really. They're all GLP-1 drugs, and they seem to have a lot of similar side effects. Yeah, they're just, they're just some are reported more than others. And we've we've been going through these stories and covering them for, you know, at least, I don't know, whenever long these drugs have been in the, in, on the market and been in the news, uh, we've been we've been kind of, we've been going through them. And it seems like they all kind of have this, they all kind of do the same thing and uh, have the same problems. The, the difference that you might experience one with one over the other turns out to be dosing because they're very, um, some have different dosage levels than others. And so that would... The, the bigger the dose, the more likely there's going to be side effects, I think. Yeah, I would completely agree with you. And now that we have really bummed you out, let's bring you back up and transition into our happiness segment. The key to life is a penis in your asshole. And I can tell you, having a penis in your asshole may actually jolt you like the bumps, the potholes in India. Uh, did for this one man who was actually jolted back to life by them. Frankly, this is completely unexpected and I'm scared shitless. Okay, they breed anger and derision. Certainly around here they do, and there's plenty of them. Uh, They cause annoyance, discomfort, and even expensive repairs. But India's famous potholes are actually saved a life recently. And, and, uh, the late Darshan Singh Brar was being transported into the Indian version of Awake after his untimely death from a chest infection at the age of 80. Now, family, relatives, and friends had already gathered for a banquet and cremation when the ambulance he was being carried in received a nasty jolt from a pothole on the roads of uh, Nisingh in far northern India, uh, Haryana state. It was then that Mr. Brar's gr- uh, grandson, who was on board the ambulance at the time, noticed his hand moving, checking his pulse and finding to his great shock, there was one. He notified the driver to immediately toward, turn toward the nearest hospital. Oh, is someone not feeling well? Your illness is very important to us. Okay, he was declared alive and savable and was referred to the Wall Hospital in the city of Carnal. That's a, that's a, yeah, K-A-R-N-A-L, not to be confused with uh, the other. Um, it's a miracle 
Now, we are hoping that my grandfather recovers soon, said Balwan Singh, another of Mr. Brar's grandsons. And everyone who had gathered to mourn his death congratulated us, and we requested them to have the food we had arranged. It is God's grace that he is now breathing, and we are hoping he will get better. Now, a valued and respected member of his local community in the Singh, NDTV News reports that an entire colony was named in his honor. I'm curious what a colony is in this case. I'm guessing a group of people of some sort. I was more thinking like maybe a town question mark possibly or yeah anyway a, a valued and respected member of his local community in this okay i already I, I said he had been feeling very ill and was taken to the hospital in this thing and put on a ventilator now after four days his heartbeat stopped and he was taken off the ventilator and declared dead Now, doctors at Rawal Hospital said that the grandfather is breathing without the aid of a ventilator and his heartbeat has normalized. They can't say for certain why the other hospital declared him dead, but speculated it may have been a technical error, something we've reported on before and, um, you know, the, in, in the past, right? So the next time you're planning to go down to town hall or the council about the potholes on your street, well, consider the story that we just talked about. Now, Yeah, and if you live in Indiana or Michigan, we're fucking sorry, because I can tell you um, firsthand... I think between Indiana and Michigan, they are truly vying for the worst roads with the biggest potholes. You know, change my mind. But I think that they are. And I can tell you, I don't think it was a pothole that caused this next story where Hulk Hogan had to rescue a teen girl after a crazy driver flipped her car on the highway. And what you gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world run wild on you? So, check out what went down. It's something straight out of a movie. A movie where, at this point in the film, we hear Real American blasting in the background. Imagine flipping your car on the freeway, and then a minute later, Hulk Hogan, in an NWO shirt and a bandana, reaches into your car to help you out. You'd think you were dreaming. But that was the scene last night in Tampa. Now, this was from a few days ago, arguably, after a teenager, a teenage girl flipped her car on Veterans Expressway. This man is 70 years old and he's out here springing into action and dragging people out of flipped cars. Hulk Hogan's devotion to Jesus Christ definitely had an impact here. The girl was being smothered by the airbag, but good old Hulk came prepared and they popped that thing Faster than you can say Hulkamania. Yeah. Now, paramedics arrived shortly after the rescue, and it looks like the 17-year-old girl is doing just fine, although she's probably going to need a new set of wheels. Yeah, possibly. Now, meanwhile, uh, we, we, have, uh, we have a 12-year-old boy who uses, uh, uh, who's a Boy Scout, who, know, who uh, uses his know-how to rescue a lost couple, an injured dog, on a hike. Be prepared. That's the Boy Scouts marching song. Be prepared. Yeah. Now it's the technical. It's the textbook beginning of a nightmare, lost on a hiking trail with no water, and an injured dog too heavy to carry. 
Fortunately for the family of three this story happened to, they literally ran into a Boy Scout. Now for JD, Amy, and their dog Smokey, a two-mile hike had become a seven-mile disaster on the Waimanu Trail above Pearl City, Honolulu. That's why we're playing the Hawaii Five-O thing, by the way. Um, their phone was dead and it was getting dark. That's when they came across 12-year-old David King and his mom, Christine. Now we asked, oh, do you need any help? They said, yeah. They showed us the dog's paws had some cuts on it, David told local reporters. And when the dog would walk, it would just be really painful. Now, David was just three miles short of getting his 15-mile hike merit badge. But despite having done that and played a soccer match earlier in the day, David did what all Boy Scouts do. He lent a hand. First, he suggested they build a stretcher by using two lengths of wood and stringing their t-shirts across it, a technique David had learned from his Eagle Scout older brother. It was his idea to make the stretcher, said Christine. We didn't think it would work because we didn't think the dog would get onto the stretcher. Now, Smokey was just happy to, and we carried him out. Now, someone, presumably David, knew the way back to the parking lot as well, and so they worked together, sometimes in twos, sometimes in fours, to get Smokey to safety, who... Despite his injuries, occasionally hopped off to give some relief to the exhausted hikers. Now, David would later, later take the opportunity to tell KHON2 News, when you're off on a hike, a good way to be prepared is to imagine what could go wrong and plan for that. Now, we did not plan the length of this story to the length of that song, but worked pretty close. It worked out like a charm. And speaking of songs, we have our fantastic friend, Sir Rev Cybertrucker, who has continuously and amazingly provided us with his uh, ROI of Cavalcade of Stupidity. And, and, and we'll take it away, Rev. Hi-dee-ho, pedalheads, and welcome to Sir Reverend Cybertrucker's Cavalcade of Stupidity. Recently, while having a conversation with an old friend, the subject of whether or not Ray Stevens was still active came up. And I'm happy to say that since 2015, Ray has been working his own variety show called Ray Stevens Cabaret Nashville, which is being aired on PBS. His last radio album, also released in 2015, shows that Ray still has what it takes to be a recording artist. From the 2015 album Here We Go Again, this is Ray Stevens. Taylor Swift is stalking me. Oh, I bet she's in the yard again. I'll have to call the cops. She follows me everywhere I go. I can't make her stop. I swear sometimes she's been inside my house when I've been gone. She's about to drive me crazy. Hey, let me tell you what's going on. Taylor Swift is stalking me. She's a little lonely. She's a hussy. She's a trick. She's stalking me. She's piling in the backyard now, up in that tall pine tree. Where the pair of night vision goggles focused right on me. I swear she's everywhere I go. You know, it's plain to see. I think she's in the camera, shooting pictures in 3D. Taylor Swift is stalking me. After all, you're just 22. She said, you belong to me, and I'm only me when I'm with you. 
I'm writing songs about you, she said, and she even wrote our song. Then she turned me and said, no one's as cold as you, and I told her I was moving on. And now Taylor Swift is stalking me. She's a little She's a husband. She's a trick. She's stalking me. Yes, she's a man. She's probably in the backyard now, up in that tall pine tree. Oh, that was fantastic, Rev. Thank you so much, Rev Cybertrucker, Sir Rev Cybertrucker, uh, as we will still recognize the titles of our uh, pedal heads who are also NA producers and have spent their gold press latinum to attain the ability to have that title. So as we often do, we are going to go into the wonderful tales from Rideshare now. This week, we do not have a lot from Rideshare because fuck Mother Nature and the weather. And really, the only thing I have to say, the only thing that I have in my script for this is that TDOT, you had one job. Despite the fact that Interstate 40, which is the interstate I travel to go to Nashville to go to work, the side roads on our little slice of heaven and in Nashville were, for the most part, abject garbage. Even with the sun beating down, which softened the gack that was on the roads, many of the parking lots of uh, complexes, which is not uh, TDOT responsibility, but roads that are, were absolutely just skating rinks, not plowed. If they were plowed, they were not properly sanded or salted. It was just a major gong show, and it ultimately culminated in the fact that I only worked one day this week, which is not making my bank account nor my creditors happy, but that is no big deal because I will make it up next week because it's only supposed to rain. So yeah, well, I I can tell you just, yeah, I didn't move to Tennessee to be this fucking cold. Okay. I'll just say that, but it it, it is, uh, you know, at least it's not quite as it's still, I don't know. The heat is still keeping is keeping up at least on like last year during Christmas when we, when it was like whatever it was. But, uh, Although I did notice frost on the inside of the yeah, alien Yeah, that's, that's stuff. not surprising for sure. But but I don't think we had it on the balcony door the way we did last year. No, we year. didn't. It was, yeah, we, <laughs> we, we, we'd taken some steps to kind of keep the, the, you know, keep things warmer in here and that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, and I was intelligent enough to bring a sweatshirt up to the studio today just in case it got cold. Yeah. I don't have to try to wrap myself with a blanket. I can just throw the uh, yeah. bang, bang, niner gang sweatshirt yeah, on. I, I, I need to, actually, I, I should probably go put some, put something on my feet because my feet are cold but uh, there's a reason I'm wearing fuzzy socks yes but, I understand uh, but let's go with to the that, toast and jam let's go to some toast and jam well I'm a bum in the sun and I'm having fun and I know you know I got no special plans special plans that's right and the special plan tonight is that Phoenix is gonna be doing a little uh cooking brought to you by Carl's Jr. fuck you I'm eating That's right. Fuck you. We're eating curry beef with rice, garlic, cauliflower tonight because I haven't cooked a lot this week. I've been... God, I'm not... Look, Nasgate really fucked shit up for us with trying to get all of our structure put in place so that we could deliver you a quality product today. And it's been... I mean, it it truly... I'm I'm not going to act like it's been this easy thing where... I woke up one morning and decided, let's, you know, let's go full Phoenix on things and completely burn it to the ground without there being some kind of ramifications. So 
It's been crazy. And in that, we are going to make another call out for Jingles. If you would like to contribute some value back to our show, you can, if you have the capabilities, make a sound clip, either saying Phoenix and Phone Boy, or you can do a sound clip saying that you're experiencing the Lotus Effect with Phoenix and Phone Boy, or any variation of. If you would like to contribute some value back to us, and we desperately appreciate everything that we get just record yourself give us a little shout out and uh, we'll either put it in the opening or we will use it as a bumper during our off hour stream where we play music and now there is a there is a story here um about what's happened behind the mic in the last week that phone boy tagged as we've been slimed because he is currently getting coffee I am charged with telling this story, which is fine. It's it's kind of gross. I'm not going to lie. But it's also kind of amusing because to know us and to love us is to know that we're as real as real comes. And because we have a couple of furry occupants that Phone Boy is drastically allergic to, he has been doing his best Rudolph impression with his little red nose since they moved in and et cetera, et cetera. Living on allergy meds, fuck big pharma. We still say it. We're going to continue to say it. But in that, poor guy was not paying the closest of attention. Don't remember exactly what he was doing. He brought his tissue to his nose to blow his nose and missed half the tissue and hit my hair. It was the grossest thing I had ever dealt with. I immediately went in the shower and washed my hair. He could not apologize enough. Meanwhile, I'm doubled over laughing because I'm like, did that really just happen? Like, no way that that just really happened. But it did. And we cleaned up from it. And he apologized. But ultimately, it was funny. Yes, it was funny. And, and yeah, I'm, and I'm sitting there and I'm and I'm and I'm. Like, I mean, because I, I, not only did I slime her, I slimed myself. I mean, this was as, as, as bad as this could have been. Oh, my word. Now, let me move on to the next uh, to the next thing in our thing. Uh, so, as you know, we smoke the whole herb around here. And, uh, yeah, we got particularly baked the other day. Also fucking baked. And I'll tell you all why. And Phone Boy will put a picture in the chat. I believe he has a picture of it. I ordered a glass piece off of Etsy that is a double cherry with the stem and a leaf. It's a beautiful glass piece and it has two bowls obviously because it's a it, it, it's a stem of cherry. So there's two bowls. And it's got a nice draw pipe that the stem is made up of. It's a very well, you'll see it in the picture he posts. But irrelevant to the fact it hits like a freight train. I can assure you, we have still been trying to find a name for it, and we would love a few pedal heads would assist in our naming of it because we've not been able to settle on one. We've toyed with things like Goldilocks because it's just right. We've toyed with Van Hagar because it's the best of both worlds. We're looking for a name for this piece, but yeah, ultimately... Actually, you're going to have to post a picture because I never actually took one. You did. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. then I will post a picture in the chat okay. of what this beautiful piece looks like while you explain more about the whole fact that you were gone, baby gone. Yeah, so I will tell you that, that this pipe 
it hits like a bong in a sense that it will it will hit you like a freight train, right? It doesn't have quite as much smoke, which I which I prefer because I don't like ingesting a lot of smoke. But oh yeah, that especially since it was clean. Oh boy, that's one of the reasons I clean my glassware all the time because uh, a cleaner uh, cleaner pipe, um, you know, leads to you know a, a high, you know the higher consciousness. I guess you could say leads to a better damn draw too. Exactly. So um, yeah, we so. In the pedals, weirdo. Yeah, we thought about Cherry Bomb Bra. Not quite sure we're going to go with it, but uh, appreciate the suggestion. Exactly. But what we have done is, so, because I got, yeah, I was, I went downstairs and I'm like, God, I got the fucking munchies really bad. And so, um, now I've got some, uh, I got some nuts I purchased at, uh, at Costco, right? And then, uh, now there was also a little bit of whipped cream left over. Uh, yes, because um, several years ago, I canned some peaches and I decided, ooh, I'm going to give Phone Boy a nice treat. And I make my whipped cream with honey because it's all natural. It's not some um, processed garbage. So if we're going to have anything sweet, we definitely go with something natural, ergo the honey. So I made the whipped cream with honey and... I had diced up some of the peaches that I had opened from the jar I had canned them in, and I presented him with a bowl of whipped cream with peach chunks on top. Yeah, exactly. So, And that's where the uh, whipped cream that he decided to take... Now, you gotta all understand, the man is a Costco lover, okay? We spend oodles of money, you've heard us talking about it. There is a keto mix that has these little uh, cheddar cheese crunchy puffs it's got pecans it's got macadamias and what am i missing in this yeah thing? The, yeah there's it's yeah they're like a but anyways, hazelnuts that kind of thing so there's yeah, so he's literally taking the nuts and the cheese puffs y'all these these crunchy cheese gobs he's literally dragging through this whipped cream and eating and i'm just like sir what is wrong with you i i, I can't be a part of this i can't watch this but then he explained it he was like well, it's kind of salty and sweet at the same time, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't hate salty and sweet. I can, I can get behind it. Like, I don't think I'd have as much issue with the fact that he was dragging this mix through the whipped cream, but the cheddar gobs, really, I can get behind doing it with the nuts, but the cheddar gobs, not so much. No. Well, to each their own, and it was a stone snacking episode for sure. Now, something else that occurred to me. Now, this, now, um, as I run a community professionally, right? I'm, I'm, um, I, I've gotten actually pretty good at finding uh, report or finding posts that are uh, that are probably written by Chat GPT. Now, um, so, and this is the first time in my community that I'd actually gotten a report from, and, and, and it was ironically, it was a report against a, uh, an employee's post, right? Uh, so it was, a, an, 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 um, and the, 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 uh, the spam report said, um, that, um, that it was a hundred percent chat GPT. Now, since I knew the guy and I, I sent him a me, I, I forwarded him the email I got from the community. And I said, so did you write this with chat GPT? He said, no, I used Google Bard, but same idea. Right. So, um, but this is the, it, it, it is literally the first time I'd actually received a report from anybody that somebody had used chat GPT. Usually I, you know, and I, I didn't think much of, I, I did I kind of have that feeling with that post, but I knew it came from an employee. So it wasn't spam. Right. That, that's kind of the thing. So yeah, that, in any case, it's not a, it was just one of those things that, uh, that, uh, that it was kind of amusing. We, we talk about, 
we tend to talk a lot about chat gpt and all the bullshit it, it does here when we're talking about uh when we're, when we're when we get into our back of the napkin segment uh but uh now this one oh this one takes the cake so this is where if phoenix jr who's the yeah well, you showed me the text message from phoenix jr last night i'm i'm actually going to read for our pedal heads the text message that was received from phoenix jr he was having an all-out rant about the fact he was now he's been paying for youtube to get rid of all the commercials and everything so he was fired up at the fact that and i will read verbatim what he said he said yo i feel the need to share this information with you because i'm genuinely disturbed by it now to hear my son say that he's disturbed by something i can assure you folks he's my son you all have heard this show we don't get offended. We don't get up in our feelies about a lot of things. And we're definitely very ever rarely offended, truly offended by anything because of the fact. It's obscene. That's the point. We ourselves are offensive. And if you're not offended, you're not paying attention. But to continue. So. It's one thing for YouTube to have advertisements for dating apps like Tinder or Bumble. Nothing necessarily wrong with that, I suppose, even knowing that children can see it. But I've just received, just now, the same ad, twice on the same video I'm watching, for a pocket pussy. You heard me. YouTube is currently advertising pocket pussies to our children. Fleshlights, to be more exact. Our eight-year-old kids, now I don't know why he chose eight as an, as an age, but that's fine. Our eight-year-old kids can see ads for pocket pussies now on YouTube. This is outrageous. It is absolutely outrageous. And he did write a formal feedback to YouTube about it. And he said he genuinely wants them to email him back and explain themselves. And moreover, have the ad removed from the website. Now, he said he didn't use any profanity in his feedback, and I'm really proud of him for that. But he definitely made his point damn clear. And I don't disagree with him. Uh, I understand we've, you know, especially if you've listened to Coffee and Chronic with Hempress Emily M and I on Monday mornings at 7 a.m., you've heard us t uh, report on and talk about Kathy O'Brien and the fact that we became aware of just exactly how bad it's gotten in our country to the effect of how they are sexualizing our children, MK altering our children, etc. This is just another prime example of that in my personal opinion. And I, for one, am extremely offended by the fact if, if my children were younger and I happen to be hanging out watching something on YouTube with them, and that commercial had come up, I probably would have come in unhinged. So I'm not overly surprised that my son did have that reaction. Because despite the fact that, yes, we use colorful language, and yes, we are extremely opinionated individuals, we are also intelligent enough to know there are certain things that just absolutely don't belong, and that is one of them in our opinion. Yeah, now, I mean, Google does have, and, I, and I'm aware of this because I... Even though I personally don't 
upload anything to YouTube for myself. I occasionally have to upload things to our corporate YouTube because I'm phone boy and that's part of what I do. Uh, so I'm familiar with the, the, the experience of uploading. You actually have to mark things as like safe for children or not. So if they don't think if, if, and sometimes you can also things can be flagged as for adults or something too. So you, you basically have to be signed in in order to view certain videos. Now, I don't, and that could be the case is because of the fact that he's 23 years old, that, <laughs> His account is an adult account where YouTube apparently thinks that he needs to have a male sex toy advertised to him repeatedly. I can't explain it. Maybe YouTube themselves can. And maybe to some degree we're putting YouTube on blast. Like, why? What is the purpose of this? If you want to advertise... I'm going to say this. I'm going to go on a little Phoenix right here. If you want to advertise either male or female sex toys do it on sites like x hamster and Pornhub and xnxx do not do it on youtube the internet is for you porn okay <laughs> yeah apparently the internet is for is for porn and i wish we had thought about having that clip however we what we do have yeah is a new segment called the Duncan Hines segment because we told the story when we switched the name of the fact that Duncan Hines was a food critic and because a lot of the references in our show are to food and the culinary industry because that is the influence that I bring to our show. Our topic, our rant topic for this week under said Duncan Hines segment is what did an animal do to piss you off this week? Did your dog pee on the floor did your cat shit in your shoes do you have some other exotic pet that did something or it doesn't even have to be your own pet did a raccoon run out in the road and fuck up the underside of your car did a possum get in your trash can and square off with you when you went to throw your trash away whatever happened if you've got an animal that pissed you off rant about it two five three two three seven three three two one yeah, well, you're supposed to play the open. There's an opening clip. No, I'm not playing that opening clip yet because of the fact that I wanted to give people time to call in yes, we, and we, weigh in on what animal pisses. We've actually opened We do actually have a voicemail from a pedal head. So I guess we're going to get into that there Duncan Hines segment. The world needs a wake nope. up call. Oh, hello, caller. You're on the We're air. Phone it in. Oh, we, oh, we got. We were playing that. We were playing the opening clip. Hello, caller. You're on the air with Phoenix and Phone Boy. Well, my animal that gets on my nerves is my darling cat. Yes, I'm talking about you, Bridget. Yeah, we know Bridget. She just came out. We love Bridget. Her hiding place. And. To begin with, she gets under my feet to the point that I'm terrified she's going to make me trip and fall. But that is the least of what she does. Not too awful long ago, she managed not only to get out the front door, she completely ran under the trailer. And I didn't know if we was ever going to get her back in. I had all but given up because she was being a little shit. She just absolutely would not come back in this house. So son-in-law, John, bless his heart, he is allergic to cats. But he took it upon himself 
to go out there, and I don't know how he did it, but he caught her and got her back in the house. And to this day, I have to watch her like a hawk. I've even had to use alternate doors to get in the house just to avoid a repeat incident. I don't know why the ungrateful little heifer wants out so bad. She's treated like a queen. Well, but anyway, that's my story, and my, I'm sticking to it. Well, well, thank you so much, Faisala, for that story. We love, uh, we love Bridget. Bridget's a sweetie, but yeah, I I get where you're at when um, when Kashmir was pulling his little temper tantrum, which we think we figured out because he's been in our room. And even though we bring him out to go to the bathroom, get something to eat, watching his behavior since we've added a litter box, food and water into our room. So he has his own safe space where he never has to leave if he doesn't want to. We've noticed that, yeah, we might have been bad pet parents in so much as we didn't realize that he goes to the bathroom as much as he does, eats and drinks as much as he does. So that could be a really good reason why he was doing things like pooping on the donation items that were in a box or peeing on the bag that those donation items got put into, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, he has been acting like a real uh, a real pissed off kitty cat. So, well, and I would even say that the other kitty cats—the reason why we've we've separated the kitty cats—I think those other kitty cats have been acting better because, first of all, they have their preferred litter now as opposed to what we're using because we. Yes, yeah. because God for Mama, shut up. Yeah, but anyway, the, the, anyway, we the, they so we've uh, we've now uh, sort of okay, and now there's not that conflict of the cats. I don't have to whenever I come downstairs, I don't have to worry about the cats fighting. It's because that's always been a been a thing, and so uh, yeah, it's so it's been I think it's been better for everybody. So having that separation, yes, keeping keeping our our furry uh, furry co-host in the bedroom uh, has some downsides, but at the same time, I think it's a, it's just been much. Everybody's just been much happier, um, you know, as far as uh, as far as that goes. So yeah, it's definitely been a, a an improvement in our house. But we appreciate you calling and telling us about your frustration with Miss Bridget, and we love her lots. Send lots of love to her from the Lotus Effect, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye, Mama. Love you. Okay. Bye, babies. Yeah. Love you. Love you. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mama T. So if you have a story about what animal made you mad this week, uh, 253-237-3321. And we are going to go to the voicemail that we did receive. Oh, Love, my God. That's, that's that fucking, is beautiful. Lovely. We know exactly where that came from. Yes. Thank you so much, Gummy Nerds. We really adore the fact that you called in with that. And honestly, there is really only one thing to be said about that. Bang, bang, Niner Gang. Bang, bang, Niner Gang. Who are we? I'm trying to... And we got to hear that foghorn live in Levi Stadium. That's all I got to say about that. So Yes, we did. And it was an epic game. And we actually got to see the now displaced from his position, Cheat Carroll, chomping his gum on the sideline while we whooped 
badass. That's right. So, all right. Well, anyway, that's, so yes, we we appreciate uh, the, our, our our call from uh, from. Uh, I'm sure that was from Gummy Nerds because we were trading. Oh, that was completely from Gummy Nerds. <laughs> there is no doubt in my mind. Yes, we, we that l- you love know. you, brother. Seriously, absolutely. It's, yeah. It sounds like actually I, I remember having I remember I was on a Jitsi call with Sir Cam or Chris who also lives in Wisconsin. We were we were actually watching a game uh, together one night. Uh, it, was, it was Packers and 49ers. This was this was when we lived in Wisteria Lane. So so this is not the first time I have uh, traded barbs with the Packers fans. So. No, not at all. And you know the voice of the universe said it best. Fuck the Seahawks. Yeah, exactly that. So. All right. I think uh, we don't have any more. Vo- we're going to leave the phone we're lines open. We're going to leave the phone lines open. 253-237-3321. What animal pissed you off this week? What little fur bag did you just want to string up and skin? Call us. Let us know about it. And in the meantime, we are going to get higher than a motherfucker up in the higher consciousness segment. I'll take a drink and I, my name's Smoke Little Reef. You know, I... I like to smoke reefer, you know, it relaxes me and everything. A couple of doobies, you know, just to get you through the day and everything. But I do not freebase cocaine. No, but we, we don't freebase cocaine, but we certainly smoke weed every day. Uh, now, uh, apparently... In- and we also enjoy uh, the subject of this next story. Yes, uh, Rhode Island's new bill would make it legal to cultivate psilocybin, or for less than an ounce of it anyway. And you just have- was net net he, he who claims responsibility for it. he could have easily been uh, oh great apologies i didn't you know gummy nerds has actually never called in so only because of your interaction with him on uh yeah. no author- or uh, on the dong yeah the dong yes um did we think it was but you know what proper credit to net ned good on you man good one yeah it was yeah he's also the one who agrees with me that uh david lee roth is the better front man for van halen but you're both mentally ill and should seek therapy i just want you to know yeah, maybe we can get some maybe we can go to rhode island and get some mushrooms because a newly introduced rhode island bill would temporarily allow for cultivation possession and sharing of one ounce or less of psilocybin through july 2026 along with provisions to account for future federal reform it's a step in the right direction after all now, several states across the United States are forging ahead with their prospective uh, psilocybin reform programs, largely embracing, embracing, there we go, policy changes around possession and cultivation, while working to implement therapeutic practices involving the magic mushroom compound. And kicking off the new year, more states are looking to join those ranks. Now, most recently, uh, Rhode Island uh, Rep. Uh, Brandon Potter, a, a Democrat, introduced his proposal, which he described in his own words as a decriminalization model, with a number of details standing apart from reform measures that have already been enacted. Now, the bill, which is uh, H7047, would remove penalties around possession, home cultivation, and sharing of one ounce or less of psilocybin. The bill specifically notes exemptions for psilocybin so long it is in the possession of one person or shared by one person to another, and that psilocybin has been secretly cultivated within a person's residence for personal use. The bill would not work to establish a psilocybin retail system, though that could shift a Along with broader policy. Now, 
the bill also leaves room for potential evolution in federal law, namely if psilocybin ends up being rescheduled on the Drug Enforcement Agency's DEA Controlled Substances Act. This compound is currently classified as a Schedule One controlled substance. Now, the bill notes that provisions could shift should federal access to psilocybin expand to include patients with a serious or life-threatening mental or behavior health disorder who are without access to effective mental or behavior health medication. In this case, the bill references that psilocybin could be available in the state in locations approved by the Rhode Island Department of Health. Now, another notable distinction is the temporary nature of the bill, where you rarely see that these days, which would take effect on July 1st, 2024, and sunset on July 1st, 2026. It's only a model. Now, Potter said that legalizing non-commercial growing and sharing of psilocybin would allow for greater access of those in need, adding, the last thing I wanted to do was create a legalization model that would make it highly regulated and restrict access to people who actually need it. While other states have similarly prohibited penalties surrounding possession and cultivation of psilocybin mushrooms, therapeutic access are working specifically with mental health professionals through guided psilocybin counseling largely presents an accessibility issue for many citizens. Now, Potter also noted that he does not want the initiative to be driven by money, specifying that the bill is about creating additional options for those in need, not creating a new industry for the state at the expense of people's care. Now, according to the representative, decriminalization is the primary aim, though he also wanted to eventually allow doctors in the state to recommend psilocybin to patients. A similar bill, H5923, was passed in the Rhode Island House of Representatives last year, though it did not progress to the Senate. Potter said he's hopeful this measure will make it to the Senate, to the Senate, not the sentence, the Senate the Senate, receiving a hearing and that the committee will understand that there are a number of people in Rhode Island that have already benefited from this as a treatment, and in doing so, they've broken the law. Well, you know, one can hope that... Uh, just deschedule it, decrim it, just much like marijuana. Yes. Make it where you can grow it like a tomato, and then problem solved. Yeah. Now, another problem that we're seeing is that Washington, D.C.'s council has approved penalties for unlicensed weed gifting shops. That they would freak out in Washington, D.C. Now, the Washington, D.C. District Council on Tuesday approved a measure that establishes new penalties for cannabis gifting shops. The bill, which could go into effect as soon as this week, is designed to regulate cannabis businesses that have refused to attempt that have refused attempts to bring them into the city's medical marijuana program. He will join us or die. Retail mar- uh, recreational marijuana was legalized in the nation's capital with the passage of Initiative 71, a 2014 ballot measure that made it legal to possess, use, cultivate, and give away small amounts of marijuana. Since then, city leaders have attempted to legalize and regulate adult-use cannabis dispensaries, but their efforts have been thwarted by Congress, which has the authority to modify or overturn bills passed by the district council. The lack of regulation has led to dozens of so-called marijuana gifting shops opening in Washington, D.C. under the gifting shop business model. Customers buy inexpensive merchandise, such as stickers, at inflated prices and receive what is ostensibly a gift of cannabis in return. I smoke two joints in the morning. I smoke two joints at night. 
In 2022, the District Council passed a measure to expand the city's medical marijuana program by lifting the cap on the number of cannabis dispensaries allowed to open in the city. The expansion also allowed the city's weed gifting shops to apply to become licensed medical marijuana businesses. The law was intended to give unlicensed businesses a path to legitimacy and thus rein in the city's unregulated weed market. Under the law, weed gifting shops don't apply for that don't apply for the program or are unable to meet its requirements are subject to civil enforcement measures. But more than a year after the 2022 law was passed, confusion over who has the authority and responsibility to issue sanctions under the legislation has meant the law's been meaningfully enforced hasn't been meaningfully enforced since it was passed. Now, to address the proliferation of weed gifting shops, District Council member Charles Allen introduced emergency legislation that tasks tasks the city's Alcohol, Beverage, and Cannabis Administration, ABCA, with regulating cannabis businesses. Under the bill, the ABCA has the authority to issue warnings, fines, and cease and desist letters to unlicensed weed shops. Now, if you remember, we covered a story in Connecticut last week about a weed shop that was gifting during an event that did receive a cease and desist letter. So this is not the only state that we are seeing doing this to weed gifting. Now... The ABA or the ABCA began accepting applications from unlicensed businesses to join the city's medical marijuana program in November. According to council member Kenyon McDuffie, whose duties as the chair of the council's business and economic development committee include oversight of the ABCA, 37 unlicensed pot shops have submitted applications so far. Surprise, it wasn't 33. Just saying. The idea of issuing heavy fines to unlicensed cannabis businesses in Washington, D.C. can be controversial, even among the members of the district council. Some city leaders are worried that enforcement efforts will harm the mostly black and brown owners of local businesses who are filing or who are filling the void left by Congress's refusal to allow recreational marijuana shops. But with a way to enter the legal marijuana market now in effect, the council's more willing to tighten enforcement. You know, fuck white people, I guess. And, you know, don't forget, being white's racist, didn't you know that? Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, that was my, when I read this, I'm like, wow, they, well, first thing, first thing, like, now I, I actually know some folks that live in, live in DC. And so the, the political situation in DC is just really weird because the fact that the, that the Congress basically has control over it in the state, you know, I look, I can, I can understand the whole taxation with that representation thing because they can't, they can't set their own government rules because it can always be overridden by Congress, which doesn't sound like it makes a lot of sense to me. And then of course, it doesn't make any sense to me personally. Yeah. But then you've got the, then you've got the, uh, the brown, you know, it's like, oh, we want to protect the brown people. Well, it's okay, you know. More. Oh, if, if that was not one of the most massive virtue signals I think I've seen in an article in a while, I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I do know is that uh, it is time for the back of the napkin segment where we talk tech. Yeah, we had to change that clip. Now, meanwhile... Um, and so we addressed why in the opening we're not going to mention we're, we're, it again. We're not going to go for it again. But now, apparently, the Apple Watch will no... The, the new Apple Watches will no longer be sold with blood oxygen monitoring after a patent battle loss. With its small, easy to break, hard to use, same design, the Apple Watch has taken the world by storm. 
Yeah, it was kind of funny finding this sort of, you know, like if, if the Apple, if the, you know, if the Apple Watch uh, ads were honest kind of a, you know, kind of deal. And then, you know, we saw, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, we, of course, we both wear fucking Apple Watches. So we yeah. are, we're proud members of the Apple cult. We're not shy. Yeah, and, I've, and I've actually bought one of the, these Apple Watch Series 9s. This is what I have on my wrist right now. And if you had bought one of these or a Watch Ultra 2, it won't be able to tell you your blood oxygen levels if you, if you buy them. Well, if you buy a new one uh, today, the one I bought, I guess I'll still do it. Yours uh, will because of when you got it. Yes. It, and Apple has been heavily touting this feature since it was since it was uh, introduced in 2020. Although the watches will be less capable than watches of the same model sold before today, Apple is selling the pared down watches at the same prices as before. And people always like to say, aren't y'all selling us the same shit? And our answer is always the same. Yes, but this time it's a little bit more expensive. So Ars Technica revealed a statement or received a statement from Apple on the matter. Now, pending the appeal, Apple is taking steps to comply with the ruling where ensuring customers have access to Apple Watch with limited disruption. This, these steps include introducing a version of Apple Watch Series 9 and Apple Watch Ultra 2 in the United States without the blood oxygen feature. There is no impact to Apple Watch units previously purchased that include the blood oxygen feature. Now, as of earlier this week, Apple will only sell the Watch Series 9 and Ultra 2, which both came out in September, with the U.S. Customs and Border protection approved software workaround that disables blood oxygen monitoring capabilities these watches will be available at apple's physical and online stores apple said they they also have the part numbers ending in uh, lw-a per updated apple support materials now users of the newly purchased series 9 and ultra 2 smartwatches will still have the blood oxygen icon on their watch but upon tapping the icon the watch will say the blood oxygen app is no longer available learn more in the health app on your iphone now once they go to the health app users can can access a support article on Apple's website explaining the situation. This is such a crock of shit. Now, Apple's general product page for the Apple Watch and its, website, and its websites for the Series 9 and Ultra 2 now include tiny footnotes at the bottom, noting its watches no longer have the blood oxygen monitoring capabilities that were announced with. When asked why the watches were less, aren't less expensive without a pulse oximeter functionality, Apple's rep said that the pricing isn't based on a single feature. It's worth noting that the watches haven't become cheaper to make as they still have the same components as before. Now, since the U.S., uh, which is, you know, since the U.S., went, the, the International Trade Commission only affects the United States. So since um, the ITC's ruling only affects the United States, now Apple will continue selling the watch, the Apple Watch Series 9 and Ultra 2 with blood oxygen monitoring capabilities just outside of the U.S., that's all. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this. This is this patent shit. Just, I mean, I understand why patents exist, but at some point, it's like the, 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 it's much like when the cable companies are and the, and the content companies argue over how much uh, how much money that should be being paid for things, and and basically, what do they do? They punish the, the listeners. They punish the people that you know that like the products and buy the products. It's all about money, I guess. You know, it's all about the Benjamins, as we've said. And it's interesting that a company as large as Apple would not have considered prior to offering this and having quote unquote the technology for it making sure that you're actually able to use it without violating a patent of a company that's going to later tell you you can't use our product anymore otherwise we're going to sue the pants off of you well so here i mean i, I can tell you exactly how these uh, how these situations occur i've i've, I've actually been I, I will say that i have been consulted on patent matters related to day job and that kind of thing and i'm not a not that i'm an expert but because you know 
related to things. And here's the thing. There's, you know, the problem is there's so many patents. It's actually diff- It's actually so in some cases kind of difficult to say, are we doing something that builds a patent? And, and, and now a company like Apple can look at the situation and go, you know, they've got a, they've got enough money sitting around. If somebody sues them, they can they can they can afford the court. And this is you know, part of the calculation. is not only you're going to get sued. How are you going to win? Right. And it's- OK, but it's not just about the money. Arguably, it's the court of public opinion, because, you know, this is going to be splashed across every news media outlet from here to Helen back because Apple is a main company. Everybody knows Apple. Everybody knows its logo, et cetera, et cetera. This is going to garner a lot of attention. And honestly, the bad press for Apple does not help them. And in my personal opinion, and I've even said this before, if you don't have the time to do it right the first time, how are you going to have time to fix it? Yeah. Now, let's talk about some folks that are not doing things the right way. We're talking about Amazon brand spammers. Brand spammers. Try to say that three times fast. They're getting lazy and letting failed chat GPT queries name products that I can't fulfill this request because it goes against open AI use policy. And that is a direct name of one of the products that chat GPT has named. Now you can't have egg, bacon, spam, and sausages without the spam in it. Well, anyway, but if you buy products on Amazon, you're well aware of the Amazon brand spammers. Now, these tend to be drop shippers or small, maybe you know, usually, uh, usually uh, Chinese, uh, you know, Chinese companies that, that are selling products full of Chineseium, as we refer to. Um, now, these, uh, they, their operations are trying to sell knockoffs of whatever product they might sell, right? But the products need brand names. And you've probably seen some pretty bizarre names. Just going through my own recent Amazon history, I came across names like Joyrus, X-Power, Geode May. We actually have got a couple of key- keyboards from them. They're pretty good. You, you, we, both, we both have them sitting here. Uh, we've got uh, JSOX, uh, J-S-A-U-X, X-Power, which I've got that in there twice, and, and Jukaifu. What? Anyway, that's, I mean, the article had a bunch of other names in it. Now, uh, that, but it just seems like it's all spam. Dear, don't cause a fuss. I'll have your spam. I love it. Yes. Now, in this day and age, if you need to come up with a fake brand, you don't need to come up with a combination of letters that vaguely could stand for a brand. No, we live in the generative era. Uh, You can just have ChatGPT create your name. Now, I'm sure it wouldn't surprise anyone to find out that this was already happening, but it appears that some of these sellers are so lazy, they're not even checking what ChatGPT is generating and slapping on a new brand. The folks at Futurism noticed a bunch of new brands uh, for sale on Amazon using ChatGPT's uh, rejection notices the name yeah now some of the results are pretty revealing now this one basically admits that it was a task with coming up with a brand name connected to a trademarked brand name and i'm wondering if they have the i'm sorry but i cannot fulfill this request as it goes against ai's use policy my my purpose is to provide helpful and respectful information to users and quote furniture in colors other than brown well yeah there's and, and then the article that we link in the show notes you'll see some of the pictures of, of things that uh, they're just ridiculous they're, they're just ridiculous and yeah this is almost this almost should have been done as a dishonorable mention but 100 percent yeah, but uh, because it really isn't a geez, I, I can't even. Yeah, but it, I don't even know what to say about that. It's just it's just crazy. But yeah, it's what welcome welcome to life. Now, well, welcome to everybody is using and embracing, and I put that in finger quotes. Chat GPT. We here at the Lotus Effect, or at least Phoenix herself, rails against Chat GPT. Can't stand it and think that it's going to be the utter downfall. And I say that as a 
comp sci major currently who just can't wait to see what the next story is going to be that comes out about ChatGPT and the fact that it's not all it's cracked up to be. Much like the incognito warnings that Google has on their site claiming that, um, yeah, apparently they track you even when you're in private mode. You are being watched. The government has a secret system, a machine that spies on you every hour of every day. All right. So we're talking about the Chrome browser, by the way. So um, and, and Google is updating its warning on Chrome's incognito mode to make it clear that Google and websites run by other companies can still collect your data in the web browser's semi-private mode. Now, the change is being made as Google prepares to settle a class action lawsuit that accuses the firm of privacy violations related to Chrome's incognito mode. Now, the expanded warning was recently added to Chrome's Canary, which is a nightly build for developers to test their changes and stuff. If you really want to be running on the bleeding edge, you run can you run uh, Google Canary, but there's you know, yeah, uh, but the warning appears to directly address one of the lawsuit's complaints that the incognito mode's warning doesn't make it clear that Google collects data from the users of the private mode. Now, many tech-savvy people already know that while private modes in web browsers, and they're, they're called different names, they do prevent some data from being stored on your device, but they don't prevent tracking by websites or ISPs. But many other people may not understand exactly what incognito mode does, the more, so the more specific warning could help educate users. Now, incognito mode in the stable version of Chrome still says, you've gone incognito. Now you can browse privately, and other people who use this device won't see your activity. Now, among other changes, the Canary warning replaces browse privately with browse more privately. Well, um, this stable and canary warnings both say that your browsing activity might still be visible to websites you visit, your employer or school, or your internet service provider. But only the canary warning currently includes the caveat that incognito mode won't change how data is collected by the websites you visit and the services they use, including Google. What the fuck? Yes. Now, Ars Technica asked Google when the warning will be added to Chrome's stable channel and whether the change is mandated by or related to the pending settlement of the privacy class action suit. Now, Google didn't provide specific answers, but offered the following statement. We're pleased to resolve this case, which we've long disputed, and provide even more information to users about incognito mode. Incognito mode in Chrome will continue to give people the choice to browse the Internet without their activity being saved to their browser or device. But, you know, no choice on, on whether Google or these other companies will store their activity in their GovCloud instance, or you know, maybe maybe not. But, you know, of course, you could always not use Google. But the problem is, is that pretty much most web browsers these days are based on Chrome. So you kind of don't have a choice on that. You know, I mean, yeah, they, they've got they've got a gun to your head, no doubt. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't really have a choice on this. I mean, I mean, granted, I mean, I use Vivaldi, which is which is a, which is one of a fork of Google Chrome that that has a, has some privacy feature stuff. They, they, they try to strip out some of the, the more egregious stuff that Google does. Um, and it's OK. But the fact but, but we used to have, you know, multiple browser. I mean, the only other sort of option is on a Mac. You can use Safari. It's the browser that's built in on the iPhone and that kind of thing. That's about the only other browser with any market share. Everything else is pretty much Google Chrome at this point. So, um, you know, so unfortunately, you really don't have a choice about this, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and another thing people don't have a choice about is the fact of if you own a Tesla and you live in Chicago, yeah, you didn't have a choice but to walk because the frigid temperatures have turned EV charging stations into car graveyards. Public charging stations have turned car graveyards over the past couple days. 
Now, a surge of stranded electric vehicles, predominantly Tesla cars, has overtaken the Oak Brook supercharger station in Chicago. As a severe cold snap renders many EVs powerless and immobile. Now, that is a clip from Fox 32, who reported that the recent wave of freezing temperatures in Chicago has taken a significant toll on EVs, causing an unusual scene at the Oak Brook Tesla supercharging station. The station, along with many others around Chicago, has been crowded with dead Teslas as owners face difficulties in charging their vehicles. Now, Tesla owner Tyler Beard experienced firsthand the challenges posed by the cold weather. Having tried to recharge his Tesla since Sunday afternoon, he was met with frustration, stating nothing, no juice, still on 0%. His charging difficulties stem from the impact sub-zero temperatures have had on EV vehicles. Look at our new front yard ornament. Now, from angry Tesla owners sharing videos of their cars failing to start to owners having to charge their vehicles six times in one day due to the massively reduced battery performance, Tesla cars simply can't handle the winter in a major portion of North America. So, why are they pushing them on us again? Oh, wait, that's right. It's about taking away our freedom. Yeah, you know, we, you may, we, we make a lot of jokes about the, the Lutvo mobile, which is a, which is a Prius. Uh, but uh, and, and unfortunately, in this weather, like this is like the, there's a reason we didn't we, we didn't make the, the drive across the country until May when the when the odds of any when the odds of us encountering any snow along the interstates was was probably going to be pretty low. Right. And I and I've changed my stance on the Lutvo mobile because I actually like your car it is very economical it rides nicely i mean other than the fact that it takes you know 2.5 hours to go zero to 60 i really don't have any other complaint about said lutva mobile yeah and for, yeah and unfortunately with the roads being what they are around here i was i had to yeah the, the, the fact that my car has no oof yes it's, it was was it could potentially be dangerous in some of these conditions and so with but because hey, that's the one thing i don't want to do too much with this with this car with this and with the fact that snow and ice yeah I'm, I, it's staying in the parking lot it's not moving anywhere because I, I i don't i don't trust the roads around here and i know that that car has no, uh, it doesn't have enough ponies to, to do what it needs to do. But you know what? At least, at least it still runs on gasoline. So, you know, that's right. And I mean, honestly, don't feel bad because my car has a whole lot more testicular power than yours does. And even mine is just not having a lot of this bullshit on these roads. And it is what it is. I mean, it's wintertime. And I mean, I do kind of think it's funny. I'm not going to lie that. There was such a huge, oh, by, what was it, 2035 or something, everybody had to be electric, and California was leading the charge, and now the sales of Teslas have dropped, the rental companies are selling off their fleet at a fraction of what they paid for them, and California is starting to rethink, especially after the power grid issues that Texas saw last year. California is starting to rethink their decision to mandate that everyone in Cali owns an electric vehicle, et cetera, et cetera. And we experienced that when we were renting cars. There was a lot of hybrid and all-electric vehicles. It was definitely hard-pressed, if at all, to find a strictly gas-powered vehicle. I know you keep saying that the Tucson we rented was 
strictly gas, but I promise you that thing was a hybrid. I could have sworn that I saw it denoted somewhere on that vehicle. Well, maybe it was. I don't know. And a hybrid's fine. I mean, I don't have an issue with that. However, I do... No, but it's also not like my car, which is strictly gas, no hybrid yeah. to it. Yeah. Although there are stuff that even the gas-powered cars are kind of doing that it's kind of like the hybrid that was a... Yeah, because I was having issues. It was kind of... I was having an oomph issue, especially with, with, the, with the road I was trying to get off of because of, of, of the the, uh, the steep grade. I needed I need a little bit more oomph to get my car over the over the hump so it would be on, on Highway 9. But that was a... But yeah, that, and, I, and because it was that delay of... I push the gas pedal and all of a sudden, no, oh, there's the car, you know, so that, um, and that's why I'm telling you that is not an all gas powered vehicle, because when you push the throttle on an all gas powered vehicle, baby, she roars and she rolls. That's right. Now, meanwhile, I think it is, uh, I think, uh, we're, we're going to, we're going to go on to talk about, uh, we have, we have, we, there's, there's an important protocol that you, that you're all using and maybe not realize it. It's, it's something called NTP and we'll talk about it in a second. Uh, but, it, but, uh, apparently the inventor of this protocol, uh, has passed away at the age of 85. Now, on Thursday, internet pioneer Vint Cerf announced that Dr. David L. Mills, the inventor of the Network Time Protocol, otherwise known as NTP, died peacefully at age 85 on January 17th, 2024. The announcement came in a post on the Internet Society mailing list after Cerf was informed of David's death by Mills' daughter, Lee. That's really interesting that her name is actually spelled the same as mine. I just want to point that out. Yes, I, I thought you might find that interesting. Now, Dr. Mills created the Network Time Protocol in 1985 to address a crucial challenge in the online world, the synchronization of time across different computer systems and networks. Hey, Siri, what time is it? Yeah, and it's actually because there are things on the Internet, especially when you, and I'll, I'll stop and talk about this for a second. There are things on the Internet that rely on the clocks being accurate. In order, uh, most every website these days has a, is, uh, is HTTPS, which means it's uh, using uh, TLS, right? Is it's uh, the transport layer security, and it's uh, so that that's that leverages certificates and certificate and, and certificates only have a specific validity time, right? So if your time is way too far off of everybody else, you might find certain certificates valid that probably shouldn't be, and vice versa. So it, it's a very important thing to have, and this this protocol has existed for a long time. Now, in a digital environment where computers and servers are located all over the world, each with its own internal clock, there's a significant need for standard and accurate timekeeping uh, you know, to, to exist. Now, NTP provides the solution by allowing clocks of computers over a network to synchronize to a common time source. This synchronization is vital for everything from data integrity to network security. For example, NTP keeps network financial transactions timestamps accurate as it ensures accurate and synchronized timestamps for logging and monitoring network activities. <laughs> Now, in the 1970s, during his tenure at Comstat and involvement with ARPANET, the, which, which is the precursor to the, inter, to the modern internet, Mills first identified the need for synchronized time across computer networks. His solution aligned computers to within tens of milliseconds, which is pretty good. NTP now operates on billions of devices worldwide. Yes, your cell phone uses it too, and they, and they, they also do NTP for, with, the, with the cell towers um, as well. Now, coordinating time across every continent and has become a cornerstone of modern digital infrastructure. Yeah, this is, this is one of those things things that, uh, you know, in the XKCD comic that says, yeah, the internet has, relies on a little tiny project by this guy in Nebraska. It's kind of the same, one of those kind of things, right? Um, aside from his work on NTP, Mills also invented the first fuzzball router for NSFNet, one of the first modern routers based on the DEC PDP-11 computer. He created one of the first implementations of FTP, otherwise known as file transfer protocol, how we get the files back and forth. We don't we, of course, we use SFTP these days because FTP is not encrypted. Lord knows we can't have anything in 
encrypted. Um, but it inspired the creation of Ping. Ah, I see you have the machine that goes Ping. Yes, I had to actually explain what Ping was to to my to my uh, co-host here. Uh, now, as well as playing a key role in Internet Architecture as, as the first chairman of the Internet Architecture Tax Task Force, he's yeah. So this guy this guy uh, has has uh, participated a lot in the uh, in the building of the internet. The Very influential. It, yeah. So um, yeah, that's I mean, a great loss. Yeah, a great loss for sure. But and, and, yeah, and I mean, I have actually worked. So you know, I, I like say we actually had a guy that uh, that in my day job that I used to work with uh, uh, that, that, that yeah. I mean, I've, I think I've technically he, him and I have been at the same company until he, until he retired, like, because, because he came from the company that Nokia had purchased that anyway. So it's like he'd been, yeah, guys, guys, an old dude. I refer to him as a resident gray beard. I love having conversations with him. He's kind of like, kind of, anyway, he's, uh, you're but, becoming one of those resident gray beards, sir. Yes, I am. Um, and I haven't written, God, I haven't written down any show titles, but I might have to write down that one. Uh, meanwhile, can let's, let's talk about, uh, let, let's go to the junk drawer where we talk about all the other weird shit that we're tracking that's right because some stuff just doesn't fit anywhere but in the junk drawer humanity was incapable of solving even its most basic problems like garbage which had been stacked for centuries so the reason why we picked this next story is because well fuck the government because tsa plans this big digital id push in 2024 your papers, please. Now, the U.S.'s leading transportation security organization, the TSA, Transportation Security Administration, is taking significant steps toward a more digital future. And, of course, that means more surveillance and tracking. Now, the plan is that by the end of 2024, many of their operational objectives will encompass a digital identity component a move that suggests an enduring commitment towards streamlining traveler experiences with technology, even though it undermines privacy. Not so fast, Richard. Now, in a four-part action plan released by the TSA, the agency plans to extend its mobile driver's license initiative and more widely utilize facial recognition technologies in airports. <clears throat> yeah, actually, that, yeah, we we actually saw this when we were traveling. Actually, um, we we because we, we went through the um, the BNA airport, and we also went to um, we, 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 which airport did we fly through? I can't even remember. Um, that uh, was Atlanta. BNA and SFO. No, oh, no, no Atlanta. Atlanta. The connector no, was, was Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. And I believe all the airports had at least some kiosks there, maybe at some of the gates or whatever that had that. Now we saw the security. They actually had it at the security of BNA in, in San Jose. They had the sort of the, at this point it's an opt in system. It, I, I suspect it yes. will not be uh, opt in for a whole lot longer, but that's just my opinion, man. Um, now, um, so this includes scaling up their current pilot, pilot program, testing digital identities and mobile licenses that used at TSA checkpoints to at least nine states. Like we said, we saw some of it in our, in our travels. Um, it follows a previous announcement in May that disclosed the TSA's examination of the potential for digital license and ID implementations um, across 25 domestic airports. 
Underlining the breadth of the TSA digital expansion, the agency has disclosed plans to add a fresh platform to the existing quintet used for digital identification. What? They've they've got six systems they use for digital identification? Oh, boy. That's ridiculous. Yes, uh, that makes this... Oh, boy. Yes, this this, uh, signifies that travelers will have six options. Wow, that's a lot lot of choices. Uh, Including mobile devices at, at, at their disposal for digital identification. However, specifics regarding these enhancements were not included in the public brief. Parallel with these digital ID efforts, the TSA also commits to amplifying the utilization of facial identification systems under their pre-check service. Oh, great. Uh, A program aimed at preemptively assessing threats and facilitating a quicker airport security process for enrolled travelers. The service is somewhat controversial as it allows the agency deeper access into data and information about an individual and their lives, some of which go beyond what travelers believe they should have access to and i agree with that which is why no matter how much traveling i do i am absolutely not going to opt in the for the pre-check i think this is a massive overreach i've thought about it from the beginning much like the fact that this is the year that i believe it is by may you have to have your real id or you can't travel anymore it's next year i could have sworn i saw it was this year but irrelevant to the fact okay when american citizens born and raised here in this country are being subjected to this while illegal immigrants are allowed to just pass through all but unchecked, there's a real problem in our society. That's all I'm going to say. And this next story really highlights how there's a major problem in our society because students dressed as furries could be collected by animal control if a new Oklahoma bill is passed. This is a result of your action, dumb fuck. Now, if one Oklahoma representative gets his way, children who act like dogs and cats during school hours could be punished by animal control. Yes, parents might soon have to collect their erstwhile kids from the pound. If Representative Justin Humphrey's bill makes it to the finish line as it stands today, that is, of course, if kids acting like animals at school is really that widespread of a problem, which is up for debate. However, we have we've heard about people that we have and we're going to cover it a little bit later in this story. We're going to tell that story. Okay. but Humphrey's bill, which was filed Wednesday, seeks to put in place a law whereby students who purport to be an imaginary animal or animal species or who engage in anthropomorphic behavior, commonly known as furries, at school shall not be allowed to participate in school. The parent or guardian of a student in violation of this section shall pick up the student from school or animal control services shall be contacted to remove the student. Now, Humphrey tells Rolling Stone he was inspired to write the bill after hearing several reports of students disrupting school while engaging in animal-like behavior. He cited two... He, t- he cited two such alleged incidents in which a g- grandchild of a friend took to crawling down the hallway while wearing a leash, and another where a student distracted classmates by meowing like a cat. He seemed most concerned, however with the idea of students requesting litter boxes in the classroom, a favored talking point among right-wing politicians that have, that's been debunked. Now, the problem here is we have boots on the ground. I spoke to a woman who works in, ch- oh, fuck, child services, 
who told me that um, she was dealing with a issue in one of the Nashville schools where there were students, a student in particular, that was acting like a cat and they had literally installed a litter box in the girls room for this student and i was completely outraged by that fact because i'm like why are we why are we allowing this to have any like what the fuck i mean just just to be actually clear about this these are human children whose parents do not have the control to say you are a human, not a cat. You are a human, not a dog. I don't care what animal you fill in the blanks with. Schools entertaining putting a litter box in a in, in a student's bathroom, allowing them to crawl down the hall like a cat or a dog, wear a leash, whatever. This has to stop and it has to stop now. Now, similar bills have been introduced in the past as well, but none have included the animal control language. Humphrey says he's heard reports of such instances, but, and I lost my place because fuck my goddamn tech today. Sorry, little rant. Just had to give it out. I've been good all fucking day, y'all. But this tech about to piss me to fuck off or I punch a goddamn computer screen. But anyway. Now, Humphrey says he's heard reports of such instances, but didn't cite a specific incident. Why are we going to bring in a litter box and put it in a room? Are they allowing those kids to actually use the litter boxes? He asks incredulously. If you think that an animal, if, if you think you're an animal, that's a mental health issue. And we need to get you mental health assistance. Some people are going to say, well, they're being artistic. Yeah, that's not artistic. There's nothing artistic about mental illness. When asked why he decided to use the term furry in his bill, Humphrey brought up mental health once again, saying there's an actual psychological term that goes with that, but it's very, very difficult to pronounce. So I just use furries because that's what everybody is calling them. He also implies that dressing up as an animal is a fetish of sorts. We're there to educate. We're not there to teach sexual habits. Dude, are you half retarded? Although some furries are, indeed, into the lifestyle as a sort of sexual kink, that's not the case for most. Gen Z, in particular, has been known to embrace the subculture in a largely non-sexual way, likely due to the fact that a large number of furries identify as LGBTQIA. As one furry told Rolling Stone previously, the fandom is so open that they feel safer to explore their identity more than if they were living in a traditional household. For them, then, the lifestyle is more about acceptance than sex. But that's all supposing children dressing up as an animal in school is a persistent problem. In actuality, some schools have called the notion an ugly rumor, which hasn't stopped other institutions from accepting, attempting to ban furries and animal-esque clothing. Now, to his credit, Humphrey does acknowledge that these reports could be inaccurate or overblown. If these reports are as frequent as I've heard, this, referring to the bill, feels very good, he said. If they're not, then 
It's just a rare occasion, and I think we're still going to have to address it. Now, as for the whole animal control thing, the representative admits that it's a bit of a joke. If a dog showed up at a school, you'd call animal control. And if you want to treat these people as actual animals, you call animal control. Now, I'd be happy to rewrite the language to replace animal control with mental health professionals. But right now, I put it in there to make a point. A sarcastic point. And I say, good on you, sir. It's about time somebody in a position took a stand against this nonsense. Now, you want to know why your tech, uh, why your script jumped? Because, and, and I will tell you, because it's, it's NetNet's fault, because he actually sent a boostergram of 5,000 sats saying, thanks for the background while I changed my furnace inducer motor exhaust fan. It stopped blowing, unlike Sammy Hagar as a frontman for Van Halen, who continues to blow to this day anytime he sings a Van Halen song. A living and- legend. And I appreciate that phone boy. Um, Net Ned, absolutely good, good burn, solid burn, and, and worth the 5,000 sats that you sent to make it. Um, we will address this behind the mic, phone boy. But um, much like I'm feeling right now, <laughs> we're going to go on to our, uh, our dishonorable mention segment. Y'all are a bunch of fucking degenerates. And I will tell you, the degenerates in this next story, oh yeah, it's a doozy, I tell ya. So eBay has been fined millions for employees who sent live spiders and cockroaches to a Massachusetts couple. I bid on Shatner's old toupee, Now, years after eBay employees harassed the editors of an online newsletter with live spiders, cockroaches, and other by-mail horrors, the online commerce giant has been handed a hefty court-ordered $3 million bill to pay. Now, online retailer eBay will incur a multi-million dollar court-ordered payout to avoid further criminal prosecution after eBay employees terrorized a Massachusetts couple who published a critical newsletter of the company. Now, a court ruling handed down Thursday reported on by the Associated Press showed that eBay will pay $3 million after its employees in 2019 reportedly resorted to stalking and harass harassing David and Ina Steiner, who produced an online newsletter called E-Commerce Bytes. An eBay executive at the time described Ina Steiner and her reporting as a biased troll who needs to get burned down. Why would anybody wow. use eBay for anything? It's run by a bunch of fucking woke assholes or something. I well, I'm not going to disagree with that, but as an executive to make a public statement such as that, wow, and you still have a job? I'm shocked. Well, given where that company is, uh, which is actually where we were in uh, December, are you surprised? Oh, we have a phone call. Yes, we do. Oh, my goodness. We have a phone call. Hello, Hello call. caller. You're on the air. Hola. What's up? What's up, brother? Oh, not much. Uh, just sitting around listening to the show. Um I wanted to tell you about what my dumbass dog did today. Oh, yeah. We want to hear about it. We do. I know you do. I know you do. Um, so uh, some of you have seen that I have a um, 
male pit bull. He's probably about, oh, 50, 55 pounds, something like that. Um, he's real, real pretty. And he's, he's generally a very, very intelligent dog. Um, but today he decided that, uh, oh, uh, uh, this morning we had thrown out some, some table scraps for the chickens and he, uh, we, I, I caught him kind of nosing around the, uh, the chicken pen looking at that food. You know, he's never actually, he's, he only went after one chicken and that chicken, you know, kind of went at him first. So I got onto him and we haven't had that problem ever since. So I know what he wasn't trying to get into the chickens. He was trying to get into them table scraps. Um, cause we don't, we don't, we don't give him that. And, uh, <clears throat> so I let him out to do his thing. We have a fenced in yard. So, um, I let him out to do his thing. And, um, I hear him bark and yelp a little, like, like bark and kind of yell a little bit. So I sent the kid out to get him and he comes in, dad, dad, he's, he's, he's hurt, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, sh motherfucker. So, um, anyway, uh, he's limping on his front left leg and, uh, upon further examination, he's got himself a nice little gash on his chest and, uh, sure enough, I went out there to look at the fence and he tried to bully his way through the, uh, between the gate and the fence itself. And I have it wired across with chicken wire and some, uh, real thin gauge. What is it? I can't remember the exact name of it, but it's like cattle panel, but it's real thin. And, um, anyway, he mauled himself up pretty good and fucking, you know, put some tension on his leg. So he's limping a little bit. He wasn't too hurt. He was going up and down the stairs just fine before I left the house. But, but yeah, now I got to fix the fence. Now I got to fucking put the gate back together and, uh, had to, um, you know, clean a flesh wound on my dog and, and that kind of fun stuff. So yeah, fucking pets, man. Yeah, but we wouldn't trade them for the world. We love them, even when they cause us that kind of aggravation, for sure. So, Doggo's going to be okay, though? Oh, yeah, he's fine. Like I said, he's going up and down the stairs fine before I left. So, apparently, he and, and by the stairs, I mean, we have a two-story house with, you know, uh, a pretty good set of stairs in it. And he was just fine before I left, and he wasn't really bleeding too bad. I got the bleeding stopped, and it wasn't. It's it's not real deep. It, it It's... uh. It's it's a couple inches long, but it's not real deep. He just kind of drug it across the fence, like like the pokey end of the fucking where I cut the fencing off at. So it was so. kind of like just a little deep scratch there. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, you know, it, the kids come in freaking out because they saw a little blood. You know, everybody starts to panic, and I'm like, Nah, just, he's. He's a dumbass dog. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I can relate to that. And I know how sharp that fencing gets. We, uh, When we redid the chicken yard before it all went to shit and I burned my, uh, you know, 17-year marriage to the ground, um, we had to cut the fencing because we, uh, we had an old, um, what the hell, a shed uh, that we bought and turned into a coop. So we created a yard where they could go out and be protected from aerial predators and so on and so forth. But when we were cutting that fencing, there was a time or two where I laid my arm open on a piece of sharp, um, 
<laughs> fencing where we had cut it um, off the roll and whatnot. That that fencing is is no joke. It'll it'll razor blade the shit out of you if you're not careful. Oh yeah, all of my hoodies have a snag on the shoulder where I go through there. <laughs> so uh, it's just, but I have to have it there because when I close the fence or when I close the gate, that's how it overlaps. So um, you know, it's it's for what I have, it works. You just have to be wary of it and step inside. And his dumbass, you know, he doesn't understand that. So yeah, he's a he's a good dog though. So. Um, Honey, there's a clip that goes with that. Right? On, my, on my forklift when I was running a warehouse down there in Texas, uh, I'd take him to work with me. And he'd ride with me on my lap on my forklift all day long. So, <laughs> yeah, he's daddy's boy for sure. Oh, no doubt. What kind is he? Uh, he is a, um, well, his mom, his mom was a red nose pit and his daddy was a blue pit. Um, I had stumbled so across jealous. him and long, 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 you know, I can go on and on story short, more or less the people was letting him starve to death in the back because they didn't want him. Mom had like 16 some odd puppies. What the hell? Um, That's evil. So I show up, somebody had told me about some dogs. So I actually went to go get this red one and I wound up with both of them. And I told him, I said, I'm taking these dogs and this is not a negotiation. So um, I took the dogs. I went straight to Dollar General, got some wet food. Um, I, um, for whatever reason, had a bunch of sterile syringes of saline. Um, I had about a whole case of them, actually. <laughs> um, and I was able to get them. I shot some water down the throat and... Um, <sighs> hand fed him a little bit and got him got him got him as 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 well off as I could the female she didn't make it through the night but Kichi he uh he he made it and he held tight and um you can this is this is the most grateful dog that I have ever had um because when I got there there was several dead puppies already there. It was middle of November and they were in a shed with no doors or windows, mm-hmm. snow on the ground. And so he had uh witnessed some pretty hard times there in the beginning. So like I said, this is the best dog I've ever had. So you know, tough times make good people. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> yeah, they def- they definitely create some interesting experiences too, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I started to get a little choked up. I, I don't. I don't like telling that story. It, it's not a fun. It wasn't a fun time. I had to. Um, and the thing is, there's, there's, when you try to report something like that, um, nobody gives a shit. Bottom line, so, um, it wasn't worth resources, basically. So, um, yeah, there's. All I could do was take the two dogs that I thought I could care for. And like I said, the female, she didn't make it through the night. Um, we buried her in the backyard, but, um, but the, the, the male, the one I have now, I'll, I'll post pictures of them when I get off the phone here, I'll post pictures in the chat for those interested. So, um, anyway, uh, we're about to head back to the house and we'll be there for studio 33 tonight. Um, groovy. 
in town and get some things like some herbal remedies and, and baby wipes. <laughs> it's an odd combo, but that's what we needed. So, Hey, you got to do what you got to do. You know what I'm saying? You got to do what you got to do. You know what I mean? I stand by it. That's right. And think of it this way. You, you can put a positive, happy spin that you, you did the best you could and the girl puppy dog is no longer suffering and the boy puppy dog is living his best life. You gave him his forever home better than he would have had. He probably would have ended up in the same exact situation as his female counterpart. So you are truly a hero, Mr. Weirdo. And uh, we love you. Sorry, I I can tell you that I gave her the only thing that that anybody could have given her, and that's to die with a full belly. The only one she probably ever had. Yeah, sadly. So, anyway, yeah. Um, Yeah, so great show tonight. Love you guys. Um, We'll see where this journey takes us. So, yeah, well, so, well, yeah, it's good. It, yeah, we knew we were putting a, putting our stake in the ground and potentially, uh, you know, the, you never know what's going to happen when you take a stand like like we took. But um, And we appreciate the fact that you are ride or die, pedal head till the end. And uh, we hope that um, we can still put out a quality product to uh, never make you regret that decision. Hell yeah. I, I mean, it's not my show to make a decision on. It's y'all's. I just, I like the content. So regardless of where that content is, I'm going to seek it out. And that's just how shit works. Not that's like how it. consumerism works. That's right, my friend. All right. Well, we appreciate you. And uh, if anyone else wants to tell us where an animal has pissed them off this week, 253-237-3321. All right. All right, weirdo. Well, we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye. See you in 33. All right, now we've got that. Okay, there. So yes, we, we the phone lines are speaking now of a lot of uh, you know uh, what, what's dis um, shit. What's my word here? I'm trying to think dishonorable, basically just disgusting. This next story about San Francisco betting big on surveillance, which blanketed the city with four hundred automatic license plate readers. The license plate readers are going to be really instrumental. Okay, now now uh, when we went to San, when we went to the Bay Area, we did not actually go to San Francisco. I did not want to take her to the, to, to what that place is now, which is a shithole city with uh, people shitting in the streets, mind yeah, you. And apparently, they, if San Francisco apparently feels it should be the London of the West, or at least the West Coast, seen as New York City has been vying with London for the title of most surveilled cameras per capita for years now. The latest addition to San Francisco's surveillance armada is hundreds of automatic license plate readers provided by yet another. Company controversial surveillance tech company. Now, on Thursday, Mayor London Breed, who was it was in that clip that we just played, signed the legislation allowing SFPD to begin installing the flock safety camera system. Oh boy, yeah, the, there was a lot of stuff in this article that I, I probably could have put in there, but nah, I wasn't really interested in it. Now, this is where we don't give a lot of precedence. That's why we call it dishonorable mentions. Yes. Now, Chief Bill Scott said the cameras will help track down criminals. Now, 70% of crimes nationally are committed using vehicles or have vehicles involved in those crimes, said Scott. So that should tell you how important this type of technology is because it's not limited to organized retail theft, which, of course, they don't enforce in, the, in, in, uh, in California anymore because if it's under $950, they won't even, the, the police won't even come out and investigate it. That's the reason why those you know, big retailers are pulling out of the, some of, the, some of the, the bigger cities in the, in, the Bay, in the Bay Area and other places that, that are being ruined by leftist policies or you know, pe- people, in, whether they're left or right, 
right? They're intended to destroy the, the you know, the, the, the fabric of society. And they, they do very well in these uh, in these large cities that tend to be run by Democrats. But uh, but uh, yeah, and the shitty things that are happening, the people have nobody but to blame but themselves when their cities have no retail and have no this and that. Because instead of self-policing yourself and self-moderating yourself and going, you know, uh, Ed, you probably shouldn't be doing that shit over there. How about you don't? Uh, yeah, we just kind of take the not my business, turn a blind eye and then wonder why Walmarts are closing because they refuse to be in your neighborhood. Big business is going away because it's not... It's not sound business for them to stay where they are when they're spending more than they're taking in because they have to have extra security. And like Phone Boy said, if it's under $900, they just don't give a figgity fuck to call the cops. And frankly, that's a problem because if enough people steal enough stuff, even being under $900, eventually you end up with nothing and you go broke yeah um, now meanwhile um now of course a a, a quote-unquote typo in a a, a a geofence warden created a two mile long drag net the legend you are about to hear is true only the needle should be changed to protect the record now, cops frequently screw up addresses when seeking warrants to search a single location. And when they when they screw up coordinated on a geofence warrant, the problem becomes a bulk collection problem. Now, something highlighted in a recent post by the ACLU covering its examination of several geofence warrants. Geofence warrants. Oh, we have another caller. Hey, call. You're on the air with Phoenix and Phone Boy. I, I truly, I don't want Green Bay to win for you guys. <laughs> yeah, but, but, I love, but I love the epic. I, I do hate Green Bay. I, I wanted to preface that I do hate Green Bay with a passion. Uh, yeah, well, that, they that's, are not okay, a, uh, that's okay because they're not going to win because the Niners are going to fucking take it to them. Bang, bang, Niners. Like. <laughs> Most of the uh, Upper Peninsula roots for Green Bay, just because of the location to it. <clears throat> They're closer to Green Bay, so they get both broadcasts in their their area. Yeah, that's true. Oh. There, there's a reason why we love having an NFL ticket right now, because being way over here in Tennessee and way away from Cali, getting a game of the Niners is next to impossible if you don't have it. Yeah. You, um, there's, some, uh, there's some avenues that you could get it in in Minecraft. Uh, just use a VPN. Well, that's, an, uh, that's a thought. Yeah, it, it's not the most reliable, I will say. It breaks up and crackles a lot, but you can at least kind of watch it. Yeah, it kind of beats watching it on like an ESPN app. Where oh, by far. The, uh, but, you know, when they get this far, you can see all the games pretty much. Yeah, of course. Even Of course, if you don't have Amazon Prime, you can't see the games on Thursday nights, apparently, so... Yeah, but we have oh, time, yeah. so it doesn't matter. Which is stupid. I don't understand why, because, like, uh, NBC's doing that with, like, Peacock, too. They're putting all the games on there, which, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I 
I've got avenues now to watch it. I didn't uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was looking for the KC, whoever the hell they were playing. It was like the first round playoff game, wasn't it? It was only on Peacock. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think they were. Yeah, I think they may have been playing Chargers. Well, that was not the Chargers. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who they were playing. Or against. Yeah. You know. So. But I've had an interesting day. Tell us about it. Did it involve an animal? Well, that. <laughs> no, maybe. I don't know. Uh, I think more like water. Because uh, I did have a uh, chimney cap uh, that was off on my house, and I replaced it this summer. But it had gotten a lot of spring rain before I think I noticed it. Uh, and that rain had come down the uh, vent for my furnace unit. Which that motor runs, I think, when the AC runs too, just to vent any kind of weird gases. Yeah, I think uh, you're right. From the from the uh, freezing process or whatever the hell goes on when your AC, the condensation condenser or whatever the hell condenses the air and blah blah blah. Anyways, uh, it takes air out. I think during that time, so there was still stuff coming down up, and that motor was running and. Anyways, the the blades on the inside got all nasty and corroded because it's just like galvanized uh, steel. And it was clogging it up and it was killing the motor. Anyways, I took it apart this morning and oiled it and it kind of ran halfway decent uh, for a little while until I was gone most of the day. I had to drive down to uh, like into Detroit to get the part into a town called Hamtramck, which used to be a Polish town. Uh, it's now yeah, there's a lot of Polish towns Middle up East. there in, uh, it's, in Michigan. It's, it's sure. Middle Eastern. It's like going, it was like going to like little Baghdad almost. Cause like every place on every corner <laughs> has Arabic writing on it. Uh, there's a lot of Arabic markets. I will say when I got out of the car, there was a delicious smell of food walking through the cold, frigid frickin' air of, uh, Michigan today. Uh, down there, and everybody seemed nice. I didn't feel like it was in danger or anything down there. Uh, Hamtramck's always been a relatively safe place, and it's like I say, my dad grew up on the edge of it, um, and it was very. It was like the place that everybody went for a Polish restaurant, and they still have like uh, family sit-down style. Uh, one restaurant that the family actually, I think both of them still do, but there's only like two left. But at one point, it was you know there was like ten, fifteen of them that were down in this area of Polish restaurants. You know, but mm. delicious Middle Eastern food now in that area. Oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah. There's certain. Yeah, there's. Um, I don't know. I still got. I still got to find some place I can go. To, if I if I want to have hummus, I've got to. I feel like I got to go to Israel for that. Which you know, at least I got uh, to do. Uh, can we not I, talk you know about what? the hummus you, in Israel, you can, please? You could probably you travel travel to Dearborn or uh, or even the same Tramic area and find hummus that would be comparable. Uh, they got the old school places there. They got the old school markets. Uh, it's kind of like different because it's, you know, just nothing. It's usually typically stuff like that that you do not see a lot of in uh, the United States where it's just market after market after market. And I'm sure 
if you lived down there and went down there frequently, you knew which markets to go to to get which items and, you know. Yeah, well, that is the advantage of living in large metro areas. You've got access to stuff like that. I think, you know, the I think I'm trying to think what uh, types of food they have around here in restaurants, and most of them are Shit. Junk. basically all American, <laughs> or yeah, or Mexican. We, well, yeah, American and Mexicans. Basically, uh, what, all you're getting around here. Closest, if we want any Middle Eastern city, food or anything what's like that, we have to go to Cape Town. City that you're close to is it Memphis or? No, Memphis is on the other side. No, Mem- Memphis is a solid. Um, it's five plus hours. Four or five hours. Oh, from where okay. We are. Yeah, the, yeah. Knoxville is probably the closest large city. Which About is- an hour and a half to K Town, two hours to Nashville. We're kind of sitting right smack between the two. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, sadly. So, you know, if we want to have any kind of worldly cuisine other than Mexican or American, we have to travel a great distance. So anytime that we do opt to indulge in food that is not cooked by yours truly, it is planned with some other activity because we're not just going to travel an hour and a half or two hours to go Don't have Don't they dinner. have any like crazy barbecue places or anything like that or no we actually do have a barbecue one specific barbecue place there's several around us but there's one in particular that phone boy doesn't mind but there is something that phone boy consistently says about barbecue uh in regard to what he gets at all yeah i'm I'm pretty i'm very particular i don't like i don't like barbecue sauce. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm trying not to do sugars and grains anyway. So I, you know, the smoked meat uh, generally is what makes me happy. in, in that regard, and you know, fortunately I married somebody who can make it. <laughs> I like my meat. Yet. too. I'm just going to say that. Tell, tell me I'm not the only one who just heard what he said. He's so, just totally, <laughs> he's so, and nobody, Oh, somebody, there's nobody ISO on that. No. Well, okay, oh, whatever. somebody needs to ISO that for sure. Weirdo. Oh shit. No, he's not home. I'll do it myself. Yes, I'm sure that's going to get used against me, you know, in this in the court of public opinion here. But yes, I mean, you've made that you've made that Freudian slip also. So it's oh yeah, I, no. In fairness, I've I've who doesn't like their meat smoked? Do what? Everybody loves their meat being smoked. Oh well, yes, absolutely they do. Um, and yes, I have made the slip of. Co- putting myself in the W category when it comes to you, but uh, you actually took that to a new level. That was kind of fun. Oh, my. <laughs> well, um, so do we have nonetheless. Uh, yeah. Do we have anything else here? Because I think we're... No, I think uh, uh, unless NetNet has anything else, you know, I'm, we appreciate the fact you called in to uh, give us shit about the Packers and the fact that, you know, bang, bang, Niner guy. And uh, <laughs> stay warm up there. In holy frozen mitten, because fuck the my Packers, life. Cold. The Packers. The last time the 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 Lions had a, a playoff game in in Detroit or in Michigan, uh, it was in '94, and I, think, I, I had think they were a saying, ticket. I think they were saying '92 or '93 like a, or something. What's that? Yeah, they that? were saying '92 or '93. It's been you know it's, it's been 31 years, I believe, is what they said. I, I went to it. I went to a game in '91 that they beat the Dallas Cowboys at. That was at the Pontiac Silverdome here. Which well, actually, yes. like well, back then, the Cowboys back then, lose, I'm happy. The, the Lions, the Lions played a half hour outside of Detroit back then, which you know, like a lot of teams uh, don't play in the inner city like anymore. But a lot of them have moved back down. Now they're right down in the middle of uh, Detroit, uh, basically. And so, so, anyways, that, that that ticket when I looked at it, it had a thirty-eight dollar price on it, 
And my nephew went last weekend, and they paid three something per ticket. And uh, I told him, I said, even back then, I said we were like, because I had season tickets for the Lions from '92 until '99, and uh, I told him back then, even having season tickets, we were kind of like, gosh, I don't know, they're they're bumping the like per seat cost up by like almost ten bucks, you know. Like that's what it seems like it's way too much. I think to that back to nowadays, and it's like you know, what the hell was I thinking back then? Uh, well, you know, but that, but but that, 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 that game, yeah, one good that season game, in thirty years. <laughs> that well, that game, Brett Favre beat the Lions like on this last second freaking throw, and because the Silverdome was so big, it had like eighty. I think it was like 82,000 seats were in the Silverdome. Um, a lot of Green Bay Packer fans would buy tickets to the Lions games because they couldn't get into Lambeau, they, they, and they found it easier to get and cheaper to get tickets to the Lions games. Hey, whatever you so get to do. that stadium had a lot of cheeseheads in it. We've actually talked about the fact that if the um, – if the Niners come anywhere closer, like Atlanta, maybe, uh, you know, Charlotte or whatever, if they come closer, we might actually consider going and we would be those assholes who were decked out in full Niners gear like, fuck y'all. We <laughs> yeah, we would. <laughs> I shit on the NFL. I stopped watching the Lions for a lot of years. I'm kind of, I was always, I've, the last two years, I've been very trepidatious about like watching them and all because I just don't need the fucking aggravation of the like because it so many times your heart get ripped gets ripped out by watching them because they always seem to lose in the last second. They are very competitive uh, all the way to the end, and they always used to find a way to blow it. At the end. Well, yes, the, the lion's got a lion, right? Um, no, okay, yeah. so I, yeah. okay. So I have a, I have a sim, I have a story from Wisteria Lane that involves that. So this was the year that the Seahawks and the Patriots were in the Super Bowl, and you know this is this is where I feel bad for the Seattle fans because we lost the Super Bowl a very similar way, in, except instead of feeding, uh, instead of uh, you give Frank Gore the ball, which is what they should have done, you know, or what the Niners should have done when they lost to Baltimore. No, this was this, this was this was the uh, the Seahawks, you know, basically emulating us and, and not giving the ball to Marshawn Lynch on the you know the one yard line instead doing the, doing this cutesy pass that got fucking intercepted in the end zone now keep in mind that I'm this is and so my I, I walked in and I saw this happen and my my family was watching and they were they're you know they, you could argue that they were that they are Seahawks fans although I think they're just watching it to watch it um, I really had to try hard not to laugh and go <laughs> You know, but yeah, that's not a. I figured that was not a something I should do in a house full of uh, fans of another, another team. Um, yeah, well, now you don't have to worry about that, phone boy, because now you have a house where you can scream "Go Niners" as loud as you want, and the only people who might get a bug up their ass about it are the neighbors, which you know we don't give a flying fuck about them anyway. Duda, duda. Yeah, pr pretty much. I don't give a flying fuck. Duda, duda. Are they? Are they Titan fans there at all or no? Oh, there's plenty of Titan fans around. God okay. forbid, especially with working right. in Nashville, that you. I know it's kind of like because it, it the moved Titans. there. It was kind of like fickle. Like there wasn't like a. I, I know, like uh, Tennessee and Kentucky are uh, 
were very big basketball for a long time, but they don't seem to be as much like college basketball. Kentucky still is, Tennessee not as much. So yeah, it's been nice being a, U, a UT fan for um, for football. They've been, you know, gives, gives me something yeah, yeah. to root for. Yeah, the fact they're the the fact they're getting that new friggin' stadium. That of course they are fucking uh, the taxpayers into paying for. Uh, show of hands, who's surprised about that? Not uh, not us. It. I mean, it looks great, but come on, like it, it bugs what, the shit that's out what of I, me. That's what I don't get is if you're taking taxpayer dollars, like. I almost think that that uh, like any sporting event that's in that area should everybody should have access to it. If it's a college program that's taking money from tax dollars to to fund anything, and they're making all that revenue off of sports, like shouldn't you? Or you know, are you taking tax dollars to build a stadium? Uh, even like your pro teams, they should almost be required by law to broadcast to like on an over the air reception of some sort, you know, so everybody can get it. Yeah. Well, I think that that's actually, if, yeah, they, they, I mean, that's kind of written into the NFL contracts is that the, even the games that are lo- even the games that were like exclusively on Peacock, if there was a local. Uh, yeah. Which uh, they do have that. Yeah. Which they were showing them here. That the, they, they still showed them here, but so I don't know. They, it just it, it seems like it should be across the board with like all sports, you know. Well, yeah, well, you know that you know that works. It's all about the Benjamins. <laughs> it, it really is. And our honestly, our, our roads are phenomenal, Phoenix. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You our are, roads are so just wonderful. You are so uh, full of shit. Everybody take like a big step back away from Ned. Ned, he's going to be struck by lightning for lying. You're, you're traveling down a mountain, hitting speed bumps all the way. Uh, it gives you a... Uh, you're jostled about quite a bit while you blow a rim uh, in a tire. It's, uh, it's beautiful roads is what they are. Right. And if anyone believes that, we have some oceanfront property in Arizona that we'd yeah. like to talk to you about. Our gov- if You know who our governor is? Yeah, Pritzker, yeah. Mm, yeah. No, no, not, not Pritzker. Oh, that, oh that's, a dare, that's, the, that's Illinois, sorry. No, it's, uh, what, what's, her, what's, her, what's her cunt? Oh, that bitch. <laughs> oh, my God, I wish I so bad was working. So I would her, love her to have original, the, what's her, her cunt? original platform her original election platform was, I just want to fix the damn roads. So she had commercials and she said that in there. She's like, I just want to fix the damn roads. So it was, and it's, her competitor had said that she wanted to raise the tax on gas, gas here by 15 cents. Uh, and she said that was a lie that you know that's totally dishonest and he's like no she's gonna raise the the tax on gas by 50 she's gonna try to raise the tax tax on gas by 15 cents per gallon and uh anyway she got elected well then she tried to raise the tax on gas by 25 cents so he was off by 10 cents per gallon which she was going to try and raise it by but 
fortunately, it got voted down and never made it in because at that time we had a Republican majority in both our House and uh, Senate and our uh, for the state of Michigan. But now it's one of the one of the houses are uh, majority uh, Democrat now. Uh, but we got it, there's so much shit going on inside the state between Whitmer. Uh, our attorney general, who's Dana Nessel, she's got a lot of like crooked stuff because there was like election fraud found in 2020 and she just like pushed it off to the FBI and it never got talked about again. And then uh, our secretary of state, who's Jocelyn Benson, and uh, she has like crazy eyes. She looks like that uh, person that was supposed to be the Ministry of Truth, if you guys remember that. The Ministry of Truth. I have actually not seen the movie. I only read the book. No, 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 no. Not. I'm not. I'm talking about that lady that Biden tried to install as a. Uh, oh. She was going to like police social media for posts and stuff. Oh dear God! But she, she oh, had yeah. that. She had that song that she did. If you remember, it was like some sort of like um, Mary Poppins kind of cadence to it. Well, that just ties in with the whole like. Disney so indoctrination this, shit. this lady, this lady, our secretary of state has those same crazy eyes that that lady has that she's like always like wide eyed when she's ever she's on camera, like, uh, and totally like, oh, I'm all, I'm totally on top of things. I'm totally on top, you know, like just crazy. Uh, but all of them are all, uh, big time Soros on donations the campaign donation uh, receivers. Uh, right. Anyhow, they're very, it's it's just a crooked cabal of uh, women that we have in Lansing now, which is our state capital. Right. Well, I mean, again, show of hands, anyone who's surprised. There's gambling there's, going on here? It, it, exactly. Well, I think... The, there was funny there was funny business with the governor of Tennessee wasn't there something I can't remember oh you mean the fact that like he thinks drag queens are the biggest fucking problem we have here just saying is that what he said oh yeah did you not know this that uh, Tennessee's governor has decided that uh, he, he passed a law outlawing drag queens here in the state there, there was a big kerfuffle about it, and I mean, I've I've railed against it on a couple of shows because it it just seems really disgusting to me that this asshole's take on things is that the biggest problem we have is guys dressing up as women and reading to kids. Like, uh, I'm 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 sorry. Did did, did you miss the um, meth addict in the parking lot? Did you possibly? Uh, get any of that fentanyl on your pants there, Mr. Governor, because I can assure you dudes dressing up as chicks and reading to kids is the least of this state's fucking problems. Yeah, I, well, I, I still I still don't like the, I well, whatever. I, if it's a state program that they're doing, like, drag queen story hour, it's kind of like, wait, what are we doing? Kind of a little right. bit to I me. Can, I can uh, understand if it is If, if you get what, I, get what I'm funded. saying, but I, yeah. I totally get because that, that's that's definitely a hot button issue that they like to focus on to uh, dispel from. I don't know. It's it, a total it, distraction. 
I don't, I don't know what you guys see around by you, but it seems like there is a lot more. And this is Detroit, my new, which is very uh, diverse. So we have diversity up to our ass, or well, up to our noses uh, around the state, and especially closer to the Detroit area that you go to. And uh, it seems like there's quite an influx of people that are uh, uh, from another region on Earth that are showing up and walking different areas, and they're around everywhere. So, I mean, it just seems like it's it's inevitable with if the numbers are anywhere close to being correct that they say are coming across the southern border. But it definitely, I see people all over the place, which if they've been shipped here, I feel bad because it's what, like seven degrees out tonight. Uh, yeah, I think that, I think that's I think that's about what it. Oh, it's, oh, it's ten here. Oh my god, I'm gonna I'm gonna be roasting. <laughs> well, then no, I'm Celsius, not Fahrenheit. No way it's Fahrenheit. It's Fahrenheit, not Celsius. Yeah. Oh, it's thirteen. So I'm I'm sorry. It's a little bit of a heat wave. <laughs> yes, it's a little um, bit. Did, did you bring out the shorts, bro? <laughs> No, that would be your son, who uh, Phoenix Jr. Yes, who, Phoenix Jr. is not right. I love that boy, but it's got to be all the goddamn hair he's got all over him because that child wears shorts and flip-flops year-round. I'm like, dude. I used to be that way. Uh, I still can. I'm still a t-shirt uh, short guy around the house, and I keep it at, like, I don't know, like 66, 67 all the time. But, uh... Yeah, this this stuff just sucks. Especially like losing your heat in this stuff. <laughs> so Yeah. Oh well I God, repaired my so well I repaired my furnace I got down to uh fifty seven in here. So a, little, a little bit of a I can't I don't know what the hell it is now. Oh, I can count look. Yeah. Oh it's it's sixty seven now, so that's that's much better than what it was. So. Mm. And whatever works, as they say. But <sighs> all right, this show somehow turned into I, almost three hours. We only had about two I hours need, worth of content. Huh? Yeah, no, yeah, I need yeah. I need to let you guys go. Yeah, we probably do, but it, but it was great that you, you guys, that, Dad. I appreciate we appreciate you guys, your ongoing support. Do you guys know? Do you guys know my favorite uh, Sammy Hagar Van Halen song? Seriously. Okay. Oh, well, well. Okay. Tell well, us. There is not one that I I love. knew it. Sorry. Fucking knew it. That's beautiful. I love we net we love net net. Okay, so Absolutely. we totally appreciate uh, net net. Okay, because we probably because I think I forgot what story we were covering. Can we? No, nope, I know exactly where we were yeah, and what can, we were okay, doing, can, and I'll pick up the ball. No, on it. how about we start over because we spe- okay we can totally do yeah, that. Yeah, let's start over because that's that. where we're going to use the time code for. legend you are about to hear is true only the needle should be changed to protect the record now, now i have to by the way i have to point out something about this clip because it is is important because it was pointed out in the chat they thought they thought it was dragnet well 
Okay, it was the original Dragnet Orchestra. However, it is not the version from one of the Dragnet radio plays. It was from a from a parody done by Stan Freeberg. So uh, he did multiple uh, Dragnet parodies. This one was Saint George and the Dragon Net. So um, just thought I'd point that out. But now there's a now the reason why we played that clip is because the ti- the the title of the story is Typo and Geofence Warrant Created a Two Mile Long Dragnet. Now. Um, Cops frequently screw up addresses when seeking warrants to search a, a, a single location. Now, when cr- cops screw up coordinates on a geofence warrant, this singular problem becomes a bulk collection problem, something highlighted in a recent post by the ACLU covering its examination of several geofence warrants. Now, geofence warrants, like all other warrants, are not error-proof. During our investigation, we discovered one warrant that apparently contained a rather alarming error. The error, perhaps the result of a typo, we don't know for sure, resulted in a warrant stretching nearly two miles across San Francisco uh, and permitted law enforcement to capture information about people across the United Nations building, Asian Art Museum, Civic Center Courthouse, State of California building, Rosa Parks Senior Center, and Fire Station Number 5. Many private homes were also captured in the massive sweep. Now, perhaps if the court had seen a visual representation of the proposed search, it might have decided to deny this request. And it actually kind of looks like a long little uh, spaghetti strand or whatever. Whatever, uh, because this very definitely does look like something that some that doesn't look like somebody something that somebody meant to do, and if they did mean to do this, there's no way this is permissible under the Fourth Amendment. Not like it's stopping anybody from doing this or not, but because obviously they're putting stuff in there. But uh, yeah, but I guess um, you know that I guess we have one other thing to talk to talk about here, and it's kind of and it and it really just it's, it's really personal to you. That's right. So. Apparently, only 11 senators care to know if Israel is violating human rights. Ah, he's full of shit. No, he's not. Well, yeah, he is. We don't care. We don't have to. Yes, we, we, we love us. We love us some uh, Lily Tomlin. Yes, we uh, do. And, and in fact, actually, to even pull that clip, we don't care. We don't have to. I had to I had to actually use my VPN because it was getting blocked on, you know, because I don't know, somebody didn't like that clip. I don't know. I it's it was just whatever. I pulled that from YouTube. I actually had to use my VPN. That's the first time I've had to do that to pull a clip. But on Tuesday night, the United States Senate tabled a resolution that would have required the State Department to report to Congress on Israeli human rights violations committed in Gaza involving the use of U.S. arms and equipment. Only 11 senators voted in favor of the resolution. Nine Democrats, one Republican, and one Independent. 72 senators voted against advancing the resolution. Now, this is where we should have had a clip queued up, and I'll take responsibility for that. The United States is complicit in the nightmare that affects millions of Palestinians, or or what they're now experiencing, says Senator Bernie Sanders. Yes, we have a clip. I'm the president of the United States of America, and I have all the power. Uh, So... The, uh, he introduced the resolution, and he said, he said, and he said it in a, in a floor speech before the vote. I'm the president of the United States. I have all of the power. Now, it's amazing how production notes happen so quickly. I'm, I'm, I'm amazed here. Now, it shouldn't be controversial for Congress to ask for information on how U.S. arms are being used in Israeli's military campaign in Palestine. He added in a, in a post on X, formerly known as Twitter, formerly known as TWTTR. Uh, Sanders made it clear that his resolution was not prescriptive and would not alter aid to Israel in any way. He wrote last week that it simply requests that the State Department report on how our aid is being used. I hope it's not too controversial to ask how U.S. weapons are being used. 
Yeah, you can't ask uh, the military-industrial complex uh, too much, you know, because otherwise it might piss them off. They might actually tell you what's... They might, uh, you, you, you might not get your funding. You may not get reelected next time. Although, Bernie Sanders, you should fucking retire already. You're an old codger. Go away. But... Yeah. yeah, that's the damn truth. Yes. <clears throat> I'm surprised we haven't seen him trying to make a damn bid for president with the way that they're shitting on Trump and trying yeah. to make up the rules as they go. Yeah, well, I, I can tell you one thing about all of this. I'm so fucking over this. I've fucking enjoyed every minute of it. Well, all right. And we, we did, too. Yes. And you know what? Uh, here's to a new direction. Um, you know, we're, we're bringing the Lotus to new heights. And, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, this is uh, this is this is a uh, this is a different journey than we started out on. And, well, you hope we continue to join us and continue to support us. And, uh, and we know. fully believe that the universe will guide us in the direction that we're meant to go. And we hope that you will join us on that journey. And with that, we are going to. How do we end this again? Yeah, something like this. Jordan fades back, swoosh, and that's the game! Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, and fuck you, I'm out! You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Fucking embarrassing! Fucking A, let's quit the swearing.